I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurer agent myhealthpolicy.com you know you've got very short fingers you know what women think about that <laughs> let me set something real straight here nobody but nobody made Roddy Piper nobody but nobody made Piper's pit Except me and my balls and my flesh and I have nothing to do with you. Waller lifted up a finger as if to say, are you ready? Wait one minute. And now Kaufman's got him. Bob Zamuda, his ring manager, saying squeeze down on him. Waller grabs him straight up. Slam! Kaufman on a side suplex. Kaufman is down and maybe out. That may have been one of the most amazing displays that I've ever seen in a women's match. Both women. A women's match in any match. In any match, both women. You and God versus me, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And the product of my semen is my son's shame. I enjoy the nicer things in life. I enjoy nice clothes. I enjoy nice women, beautiful women, the chicas, and an eagle more than anything else. I enjoy the dinero. The cash, the money. <laughs> you signed the deal, you agreed to this, and I've been informed by TNA management if this doesn't happen, you will be fired on the spot. Daphne, you must now go to the ring and perform a strip tease. Hit the music, Maestro! Wait a minute! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Damn it! Stop it right now! What do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing, Austin? That's your best friend out there, and you're taking it easy on your very best friend. Damn it, Steve, come on. Open him up. Oh, Open him up. God. Get him. Get him. Come on. Get him. Peace. 
people are mocking me. And even if they're not, even if they mean it, all these yes chants from these sheep, that doesn't make it better that you cost me my World Heavyweight Championship. I might deserve it a little bit, but I think you guys deserve it. There you go. Because when I started yesing, it wasn't just a word, and it's not just a hand gesture, it's not a movement, it's not about positive thinking, it's not about any of that. It's about the power that each and every one of us have to make change, and because of you guys, because of your power, last night, I went into WrestleMania 30, I beat the authority, and right now I stand here as the new WWE World Heavyweight Champion! Celebration! Episode 14, This Week in Wrestling History. I am Don Tony once again. I want to thank you so much for listening. And everyone out there who has been giving me suggestions, feedback, praise, I can't thank you enough. This show, little by little, is evolving, little tweaks here and there. And I thought for this week, why not play like a little five-minute intro, little teaser of some of the audio clips we're going to be getting into a little bit later. And trust me, if you think that that's all we're going to be getting into, there is close to 20 audio highlights we're going to be playing this week. Some really, really great shit. We go from the 70s all the way up until literally to this day. Some really, really wonderful stuff to get into. So I really hope you enjoy this week. This week, we will be covering the period of April 3rd through April 9th. And got a little surprise really at the beginning of this. This has to do with Andy Kaufman. Now, let's kick it off with 1982. This is where it all began. Yes, there were promos. Yes, there were interviews. Yes, there was a storyline building up to the match. But it was this week in 1982 that the match happened. Andy Kaufman versus Jerry the King Lawler ended up in a disqualification because Jerry Lawler used the pile driver, which was a band move at that time. And I got to tell you, it breaks my heart. And I don't mean that literally, but it breaks my heart to see younger people of today 
writing all these blogs about history and highlights and things that happened in yesteryear, and they totally left this out. It was such a big deal in 82. And you know what? I'm going to kick it off with two audio clips. First off, five days before the match took place, Andy Kaufman showed up on David Letterman. And believe me, I tell you, fans that were not into wrestling took this as a joke. They thought it was hilarious what Andy Kaufman was doing. And even the segment that I have, a lot of the crowd laughter is not included simply because I wanted to give you the best audio quality as possible. And I did a little bit of editing and splicing and mixing together to really give you some great footage. But a couple of days before Kaufman took on Lawler. As I said, Andy Kaufman was on David Letterman. David Letterman at that time used to have a segment a segment called Viewer Mail. And he would read comments, questions by viewers. And he opens up with Viewer Mail. And one of the questions in Viewer Mail is from Andy Kaufman. Finally, letter number four. Dear David, the Tuesday night when I appeared on your show... I was not allowed to, oh, this is a telegram. I was not allowed to finish a story I was telling because one of your guests was telling a long, long, long story about Transylvania. Please let me come on and finish what I wanted to say. I'm sitting in the green room, Andy Kaufman. Let's just go see if Andy Kaufman is sitting in the green room. Walk this way. The Potter. Green room. Excuse me. Hi. Excuse me. Slim, could you pardon me just a minute? I have to talk to him. Oh, sorry. you nearly tripped him. What's the matter with you? Andy, nice of you to drop by. Uh, uh, now, uh, what was the story you were going to finish? Well, as I was saying the other night, I'm going to be wrestling a man for the first time in my career this Monday, April, uh, Monday, April 5th in Memphis, Tennessee at the Mid-South Coliseum. The man is Jerry Lawler. He's the uh, Southern Heavyweight Champion. He weighs, outweighs me by about 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. At first, uh, when he challenged me, I thought it was a joke, and I said, no, and I don't wrestle men. And then I thought, oh, I'll accept the challenge, you know? And so I ended up sending him all these videotapes, threatening him, imitating the way he talks in Memphis, and, you know, making, making you know, I want to beat you, you know, that kind of stuff, and trying, trying to make him mad. But, uh, I mean, you know, as a joke. But the thing is, I found the guy doesn't have a sense of humor. Yeah. And uh, as a result, he really is mad. So we exchanged videotapes, and what I'd like to show you is the, the videotape that I that he has just recently made, and then right after that, the latest videotape that I sent okay. down there. So uh, here at Big Time Wrestling, we feel that this is important enough to put on network television. This is Jerry Lawler. So I got news for Andy Kaufman. I make my living. I put my food on the table by wrestling, and it's a very serious sport to me. And I don't like anybody like you coming around and making fun of it or thinking that they can do it, just come walking in off the street. So I'm going to show you just how serious it is. So don't expect any mercy from me, Andy Kaufman, because when you climb in that ring, I'm going to consider you a professional wrestler, and I'm going to burst your bubble about being a wrestler. And it'll be the last time you ever want to wrestle. It'll be the last time you ever want to step in the ring. And it'll be the last time that you fantasize about being a wrestler. Andy Kaufman, you're going to get hurt, son. I've heard all these things you've been saying about me on television. You want to wrestle me? You want to wrestle me, my infant style? All right, fine. I'm not afraid of you, Mr. Lawler, because let me tell you something. True, I only wrestle women, but I've wrestled women that are a lot bigger and stronger than you. 
Matter of fact, they're probably smarter than you because you don't have any brains. You're from Memphis, Tennessee. All you do is plow the fields and farm and the farm and the... Uh, is that how you talk to Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Lawler? See, Mr. Lawler, you don't have any brains. I am from Hollywood. I have the brains. That's how I win my matches. I say the bigger they come, the harder they fall. You might be twice as big as me, but I've wrestled women that are twice as big as me, and I've mopped the floor with them. And that's what I'm going to do with you, Mr. Lawler. You challenged me to a wrestling match. I think you bit off a little more than you can chew. I'm going to wipe the floor with you, Mr. Lawler. I'll give you a little sample. This is what's going to happen when you and I wrestle each other in Memphis. Come here. What's your name? Susan. How tall are you, Susan? Six foot. And uh, how much do you weigh? 327. 327 pounds. That's a lot more than you weigh, Lawler. Okay? Watch this. Let's go. Andy, I think you really hurt her. It doesn't matter. She doesn't have any money. She's poor. She can't sue me. See, I can do anything I want. Get the camera come off. On. Shut this camera off. See? Oh, come on, baby. wrestling a woman there. No, but she's bigger than him. And I figure if I could beat her, then I could, you know, I've wrestled women a lot bigger than Jerry Lawler. And my thing, what I could do is, I could, like, run, you know, I'm probably faster. I've been swimming, jumping rope. I probably have more endurance than him. I don't have muscle. I'm not as strong as him, but I can outrun him. I can make him tired, and then I can, you know, maybe, just after he gets tired, you know, like I do to a big woman like that. That's right. And, and okay. otherwise, I, I, you know, I don't know. What I'm happened. sorry you kids had to see this. Uh, good luck Monday night. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andy Kaufman. And Slim Whitman will be right back here after you take a look at this. So David Letterman does his viewer mail. Andy Kaufman hypes up the match. I think it was April 5th, 1982. The match is going to go down. Andy Kaufman versus Jerry Lawler. And I tell you, because WWE owns the footage to this now, I mean, I, I think they do. You look all over the net. WWE took, takes the match down. Copyright, 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 copyright. There's a couple of places where there'll be some highlights, but you'll see some comments from Jerry Lawler of today, some other people. It's just, it's not available online. It really isn't. But thank God, because I have always professed my love for Andy Kaufman. I am a huge Andy Kaufman fan. I have a custom, like, anthology in my house of all of the... Uh, acts that Andy Kaufman did from when it was still black and white television up until the time he passed in. I am lucky to have the entire match of Andy Kaufman versus Jerry Lawler on video, pristine quality. And because I don't want to have any problems with WWE, I'm only going to play a couple of minutes of highlights of it. I think you'll appreciate it. Then after that, I got a nice little surprise. I think you'll enjoy. Here comes Andy Kaufman. Lawler saying, there it is. Go ahead. Take your best hold right now. Five minutes past 25. 
to wrestle. Five minutes past, 25 to go. still waiting as Kaufman reluctant to even take a free headlock. Well, now he goes. Lawler hadn't done anything. Kaufman very, very tentative. Lawler lifted up a finger as if to say, are you ready? Wait one minute. And now Kaufman's got him. Bob Zamuda, his ring manager, saying squeeze down on him. Lawler grabs him straight up. And he slammed Kaufman on a side suplex. Kaufman is down and maybe out. Now his leg's twitching. Disqualification. Danny Davis, his manager, not believing it. Jerry Lawler, six minutes and 50 seconds with a pile driver, has been disqualified. The winner by disqualification, Andy Kaufman. Six. Lawler rolling caught. He's going to give it to him again. He figures he's already lost it. Personal manager George Shapiro is screaming at Lawler. He can see his star. Zamuda telling him to get him out of the ring. And they are about to get him on the stretcher to be transported to a hospital. I'm sure they'll want to run a series of x-rays. So Kaufman laid out on the stretcher. We can only wish him uh, the best with no ill feeling about the things that he said and all of the comments and fun that he had poked at not only Memphis but Lawler. And wrestling, a mistake. So after this match went down, obviously the feud was far from over. The feud would go on for a few years. But I... Any longtime listener knows for 20 years between doing hotlines and podcasts, I've been saying it. Andy Kaufman has always been one of my favorites. I don't understand why he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame. And I just don't understand why he is not given more love for this storyline. This storyline was one of the biggest storylines from the early 80s. And not only that, he put credibility in it. You know, when we first heard about it, we thought it was a joke. And I was a kid at the time. I mean, let's be honest. But still, we looked at it as a joke. But if you watch the entire feud of Lawler versus Kaufman, it did what it was supposed to do. Kaufman didn't have any superhuman abilities. Kaufman acted like a pussy. Kaufman acted like he was prestigious because he was from Hollywood. Kaufman would make fun of, of people from Memphis, Tennessee, and this is soap. This is soap. This is how you use soap. It is, oh my God, I love that storyline. But a little treat for everyone out there that may not even know this exists. 
It was October 1979, almost three years before Andy Kaufman had this feud with Jerry Lawler. Do you know that Andy Kaufman pitched this storyline idea to the WWWF and Vince McMahon Sr. turned it down? Believe it or not, this feud, well, it wouldn't have happened with Lawler, obviously, but Andy Kaufman wrestling women could have happened in the WWF years before. And in October of 1979, Andy Kaufman was at Madison Square Garden for a WWF event, and Vince McMahon interviewed him for about a minute. But when you realize that this was three years before the Kaufman feud, and this was before Kaufman became widespread legendary for his fighting of women, appreciate it. To my right, ladies and gentlemen, you may have seen this. Young man, uh, last Saturday night on Saturday Night Live, Andy Coffin. Perhaps you have seen him as Latka in the uh, television series Taxi. Again, as we said, one of the rising superstars in the world of comedy. Welcome to Madison Square Garden, Andy. Hi, how are you? Thank you. The wrestling here tonight unquestionably most exciting, but you do wrestling on, on your own, as a matter of fact, but uh, generally with the ladies. That's right. That's right. I, I just don't think that it's possible for a woman to beat a man in wrestling. And I think that even if a... A woman trains for a long time and, uh, you know, uh, gets in shape and stuff. I just don't think that a woman has the physical capability of beating a man, and not only the physical, but the mental. I just don't think they're mentally capable of thinking that way. Um, I think that they're just capable of washing the dishes and the pots and pans, you know, raising the babies. And uh, So if there's any woman that wants to prove me wrong, I offer $500 to any woman, any woman anywhere that wants to wrestle me. I will pay $500 to any woman that can pin my shoulders to the mat in three does minutes. In, does that include Diana Nyad and people like that? I have challenged, I have challenged Diana Nyad to a match, and Diana Nyad said no. She said, she said to me, uh, to my management, she said, well, will it make me look foolish? I said, well, if you lose, you'll look foolish. She said, well, then I'd not like to do it. Diana Nyad swam the Cuban with the sharks and the jellyfish. But she can't. She's afraid to take a man in a wrestling match. What's the matter, Diana? Diana, are you scared of being humiliated in front of millions of people? Eddie, the best of luck to you against Diana and Ed or whoever it may be. Thank you very much. All right, let's go back to ringside. We fast forward to 1984. The Midnight Rider defeats the Midnight Rider in a mask versus mask match. This took place for the CWF in Miami, Florida, the Crockett's. And I know we all know the Midnight Rider usually is Dusty Rhodes, but what a lot of people may not know is that there was another wrestler by the name of Karma who also played the role of the Midnight Rider. And when he unmasked, I mean, obviously they weren't calling him this name at the time, but we would later know Karma, not the current African-American female that you see on GLOW. But at that time, Karma was none other than Cousin Luke. Remember Cousin Luke for the WWF for a brief time? That's the guy that I always shitted on over the years. It was just abysmal in WWF. And I realize it was the gimmick more than anything else. But still, this week in 1984, Cousin Luke, as the Midnight Rider, lost mask versus mask match against the Midnight Rider, who was Dusty Rhodes. There you go. 1985, another moment in wrestling history that is legendary. Too bad I can't find any news footage of it. There are countless news articles, 
because a lot of newspapers are archived and you can access it online, but haven't found any television footage at that time. Yes, there's footage of Ken Patera sitting in a jail cell on WWF TV, I think in 1987. No, that's not the original footage. This week in 1985, Ken Patera and Mr. Saito are arrested in Wisconsin following an incident where Ken Patera allegedly threw a rock through a window of a McDonald's, which led to an incident with cops. Now, if you only follow bits and pieces of this, and if you even view some of Ken Patera's statements throughout the years, he was not thrown in jail because he threw a rock through a McDonald's window, or allegedly. What happened after is that cops showed up at their hotel room, and Ken Patera and Mr. Saito brawled with these cops. One of the cops was a woman. I think it, there might have been one, more than one female cop at the time. But she got her teeth cracked in. She had, like, really serious injuries. So Patera and Saito went to jail for beating the shit out of cops. Now, if you read all the details regarding the story, and I'm not going to get into all of it here, you know, you, you kind of interpret it, okay, maybe it was self-defense, this and that, but still, the fact that they only got two years in jail for the type of injuries that were sustained to police officers, you know, really, they should be thankful that they only had that short of a jail time. But there are some really fascinating articles online talking about this in real time back in 1985. Some of the stories get exaggerated because first it's five cops, then it's seven cops, then it's 13 cops. But still, if you really want to get the whole gist of what went down, by all means, do some searching online. 1985, this week in history, Ken Patera, Mr. Saito, go to a McDonald's. That's closed. They want burgers. They're not getting any. Somebody breaks a window. Cops believe it to be Patera. They get into a fist fight at the hotel. Cops get seriously injured. They ultimately go to jail. 1986, WWF presents WrestleMania 2. And by the way, just to let everyone know right off the bat, I know last week we covered over 20 WrestleManias because they all happened last week in wrestling history. This week, we have far fewer. I don't remember how many offhand, but it's maybe eight to get into. I'm just guessing right now, but we'll do it like we did last week. We'll get into the results really quickly. Uh, as far as match highlights from WrestleMania, you might hear one or two little snippets later on. I'm not sure. The problem is the same thing as I said last week. You start playing a match from here, you got to play a match from there. And then you got to play a match from here. And then you got to play a match from here. But some memorable mania moments. That's MMM. Memorable mania moments went down this week in history. First WrestleMania 2. This was the first WrestleMania available to the nationwide pay-per-view audience. It was also this WrestleMania where they decided to have uh, three events Three different venues all happen simulcast for WrestleMania. You had New York, you had Rosemont, and you had Los Angeles. And these were the cards for each venue. And we've talked over the years, you know, if you had a choice and you were able to go, which venue would you choose? And it is kind of hard to really decide which one would be your favorite. But here you go. From Rosemont, you had the fabulous Bula defeating Velvet McIntyre to retain the women's title, Corporal Kirshner over Nikolai Volkov. Andre the Giant 
winning a WWF slash NFL Battle Royal. Some of the other participants, Bret Hart, Brian Blair, Big John Studd, Bill Fralick, Bruno Sammartino, Danny Spivey, Ernie Holmes, Harvey Martin, Hillbilly Jim, Jimbo Colvert, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, King Tonga, Pedro Morales, Russ Francis, Ted RCD, the Iron Sheik, Tony Atlas, William Refrigerator Perry, and you also had Dick Butkus and Ed, was it Two Tall Jones, as special guest referees. Pretty cool. British Bulldogs over the Dream Team, Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine to win the tag titles. It was all at Rosemont. In Los Angeles, you have Ricky Steamboat over Hercules, Adrian Adonis over Uncle Elmer, Funks, Terry and Dory Funk Jr. over the Junkyard Dog and Tito Santana, and Hulk Hogan defeating King Kong Bundy in a steel cage to retain the WWF title. Robert Conrad was a special guest referee. And finally, from New York, you had the magnificent Morocco and Mr. Wonderful Paul Landorf fight to a double countout. Macho Man Randy Savage over George the Animal Steel to retain the, the IC Championship. Jake the Snake Roberts over George Wells. And Mr. T over Roddy Piper by DQ in a boxing match. And honestly, I don't understand why people royally shit on that boxing match over the years. I mean, look, was it good? No. But people just, I mean, I, I, I'm I, a fan of Meltzer. I show nothing but respect to Meltzer. Any longtime listener knows what that man did for me personally, especially giving out the free newsletters when Chris Candido passed on and you know gave us a lot of publicity for the Conan drive for his kidney transplant. I have nothing but respect for Dave Meltzer. But minus five stars? Come on. That's a little overkill. I just, I know the boxing match sucked, but watching Piper throw the bench, it just felt... Have a sense of realism to it. And honestly, that's what you want in pro wrestling. The boxing match was not good, but still. Now, 1987, Halloween, Lucha legend makes his pro wrestling debut. And I tell you, any longtime listener knows my personal experience with Halloween, but I'll share two very quick highlights for those that may not know. Uh, first off, XPW. When I worked for XPW, when they were having shows in the Northeast, I had the privilege a couple of times to pick up Damien 666, Halloween, Juventud Garada, and Psychosis from the airport. And one time I had picked them up, and since JFK is right by my house, I had stopped at my house for a little while. Um, no, I didn't bring him around the neighborhood to show off, hey, look who I'm with. No, we stopped by my house for a little while. While they were there, they were hungry. They wanted something to eat. I didn't have enough stuff in the house to just like microwave or just throw out there. So, you know, I asked him, what do you want? You know, Diana, McDonald's, Burger King, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, chicken, chicken. Give me chicken. So we go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. First of all, when we walk in there, not a lot of people recognize Damien on Halloween because they didn't have their face paint on, but they recognize psychosis. And, you know, we're in there, we're ordering chicken, and they're on their best behavior, even though they're playing around a little bit. You know, I guess they were stretching because of all the jet lag and riding in the car and stuff like that. So we get chicken. But then what goes on after that, uh, it was scary and funny at the same time. But here in Howard Beach, you know, especially when the weather is warmer, you have a lot of guidettes walking around the neighborhood. You know, girls, you know, very, you know, I don't want to say revealing out outfits and not dressed like they're walking the streets, but, you know, this neighborhood, I think it takes pride in the attractive level of the girls that walk around. And, you know, the, the age 
varies as far as girls. And we're driving down Cross Bay Boulevard. And I remember it was a shitload of traffic. It was, I believe, on a Saturday. And, you know, I'm not going to mention which of the three were doing it. But they roll down the window. Hey, chica, come here, baby. Oh, my God, look at the teats on... And I got a little nervous because some of these girls don't walk around with just other girls. And at that time, you really didn't have the camera phones like you have it now. The last thing I want is some girls to be recording my license plate saying, look at these creep motherfucker. I mean, we didn't even have, did we have Twitter at the time? No, we didn't have Twitter. I don't even think we had Facebook. It was still uh, MySpace, but still, it was funny shit. But at the same time, I was like, oh, my God, what are these guys doing? But I felt pretty comfortable that if a fight broke out, that they could defend themselves and help me out pretty, pretty good. So, but there you go. That was one memory. Another one is one that I really take pride in. And, you know, when I tell stories and stuff like that over the years, there are people around and alive that will vouch for this stuff. You you always hear people telling stories about people after they're deceased because they're not around anymore. They call you a liar. But... When I used to do work for Frank Goodman in USA Pro Wrestling, there was an event that was taking place in Long Island. Frank Goodman wanted to do a match with Jimmy Snooker and Sabu. It's a, it's a team that you don't normally ever see. That might have even been the first time they ever teamed up together. I mean, it, it's, it was an interesting tag team. And because I became friendly with Mongo at the time, and Mongo, for those that don't know, he was the, uh, I don't, maybe you call it agent, for Halloween 666, Le Parker and a few others. He also sold the Lucha masks at a lot of wrestling events here in the Northeast. He reminded me of Meatloaf, the other performer, the singer. You'll know that's who it is. Became friendly with him. I mean, I hung out with him after hours. A lot of times he was a really, really cool dude. Went to a lot of XBW events as well. And he got me this insanely good, cheap deal to bring Halloween and and Damien into USA Pro Wrestling. And it was a match that went down. Damien 666 and Halloween versus Sabu and Jimmy Snuka. Talk about a fantasy match. And it was my fucking idea, 100%. To the point where Frank Goodman said to me, he's like, you want that match? You have to pay it out of your pocket. But if we draw well and you do good, you'll get your money back. And I did get my money back because of the bus trips and everything else. But one thing I will admit, I was a little taken back, a little offended by it. A whole bunch of Lucha magazines covered the match because of Mongo and because I think his girlfriend or his wife took pictures at the time. She was a photographer. So these matches, that match ended up in the Lucha magazines. So... He surprises me, uh, um, Mongo, and, and this is not Steve McMichael, by the way, but Mongo surprised me, and he gives me a bunch of these Lucha magazines. He says, hey, your match got covered and all these ma-. And I'm looking at it, and it's like two, three-page articles. I'm like, wow, this is fucking cool. I show Mass Maniac. And he was happy, but he was more like, is this going to generate any additional sales for him in New York? And it really didn't. So it, to him, it was nice, but it wasn't that big of a deal. But me... I took so much pride in it. I still have the magazine. I think I have like six copies of it. And they're stored away, mint condition. Fucking loved it. But that's just two of many, many personal memories I could share with you of Halloween. A really, really cool guy. Seriously, one of the nicest people I ever met in wrestling personally. And that is God honest truth. 1990, AWA unfortunately was on its last fumes. 
they had an event, Super Clash 4, St. Paul, Minnesota. Only about 2,000 fans in, attended. Even though, you know, you, I'm sure a lot of places would fucking orgasm right now if they could get 2,000. But still, AWA's level of success was pretty much done. And what's sad about Super Clash 4 is that they didn't record it. They had no cameras. wasn't televised. And when I read the results... It's not that bad of a card. You would think that they would have at least recorded it, maybe try to make some money on the home video release. Jake, the Milkman Millman over Todd Becker. Texas Hangman over Brad Rangins and DJ Peterson. Baron Von Roschke over Colonel De Beers. Tully Blanchard over Tommy Jammer. John Nord over Coquina Maximus. By the way, look up those names if you don't know who the, they are most known for. It kind of, I think it'll surprise them. Larry Zabisco over Mr. Saito to win the AWA World Heavyweight title. Nick Bockwinkle was his guest uh, referee. And Paul Diamond along with the Trooper over the Destruction Crew, which was Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom. 1991, Masao Inoue makes his pro wrestling debut. He wrestled at All Japan Pro Wrestling's Champion Carnival Day 10 in Okayama, Japan. He, along with Mitsu, Mitsu Momota, defeated Richard Slinger and Satoru Asako. 1992, this match is online. The interviews before and after the match are online. It's The problem is it's pretty much Spanish. So that's why I didn't play it on here because the majority of you out there don't understand Spanish and you really wouldn't enjoy it. But it was this week in 1992, the late, great Art Barr, who wrestled at the time as the love machine, lost a mask versus hair match again. No, I think, you know, I think it might have been a mask versus mask match. It was against Blue Panther. And he lost because of a disqualification. He used the pile driver. And if you watch the interviews with Art Bar after he was unmasked, you know, his the storyline was that he didn't know that the pile driver was banned, that he should have been told beforehand. And he thinks it was kind of messed up that he loses his mask because of a disqualification. But that's how it went down. It was a very, very big match at the time. And it's cool to see all of the footage online of it. And Art Bar, Eddie Grail, we know that relationship. And they're up in heaven hanging out and having a great time right now. And it was this week in 92 he lost his mask. Also this week in 92, Chris Canyon, God rest his soul as well. He made his pro wrestling debut. Um, from what I have in my research, his first match... Uh, believe took place for Buena Wrestling Federation in Jersey, and he fought Tiger Singh to a time limit draw. And his first match, he wrestled under the name Chris Morgan. This week, also in 1992, WWF had WrestleMania 8 from the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis. The show is most noted because of uh, it being advertised at that time as the final match for Hulk Hogan. He would take a leave of absence because this was right in the midst of the steroid controversy with WWF. Uh, he also, at the same time, was working on his acting career. Um, but it was a big deal at the time. I mean, look, Hulk Hogan in 92... It's the Hulkamania was still big time and still very popular. But now you have The Undertaker in. You had Ric Flair coming into the WWF. You had Macho Man having his run. The controversy with Slaughter, Ultimate Warrior. So Hogan wasn't as much of a focal point as years passed. But still, it was a pretty big deal at that time. 
the card results Shawn Michaels with Sherry over El Matador, Undertaker over Jake the Snake Roberts, Bret Hart over Roddy Piper for the IC Championship, Big Boss Man, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Virgil and Sergeant Slaughter over the Mountie, the Nasty Boys, uh, and the Repo Man, Randy Savage over Ric Flair with Mr. Perfect in his corner for the WWF Heavyweight Championship, Tatanka over Rick Martell, the Natural Disasters, uh, over Money Incorporated, Owen Hart over Skinner, and Hulk Hogan defeating Sid Justice by disqualification. 1993, WrestleMania 9, who could ever forget? Outdoors, Toga! Jim Ross making his uh, WWF debut. It's memorable, and who could ever forget? Yokozuna winning the title and losing the title. All in a matter of, what, minute? Anyway, your card results from that night. Tatanka defeated Shawn Michaels by countout. Steiner Brothers over the Head Shrinkers. Doink the Clown over Crush. Razor Ramon over Bob Backlund. Money Incorporated over the Mega Maniacs, who is Brutus Beefcake and Hulk Hogan. Lex Luger over Mr. Perfect. Undertaker over Giant Gonzalez. Yeah, the bodysuit. And Yokozuna first defeating Bret Hart to win the WWF title, and then immediately losing it to Hulk Hogan shortly thereafter. So, interesting, interesting. 1994, Steve Carino makes his pro wrestling debut. Very, very hard to do research on Carino's early career, but I have, from my research, his first possible match taking place in Jersey, defeating a wrestler by the name of Johnny Gunn. Also in 1994, Shawn Michaels on Monday Night Raw, debuted his new talking segment, The Heartbreak Hotel. It wasn't that big of a deal, but I put a picture of it on a synopsis. When you look at all of the talking segments that have taken place since, the highlight reel, the Miz's, I mean, there's been like five or six easily talking segments that take place in the ring. And yes, Piper's Pit happened before the Heartbreak Hotel. But still, this was an interesting concept that the WWF did. And if you're curious to hear how the first edition of the Heartbreak Hotel went down, well, here you go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Heartbreak Hotel. What is this? The home of the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Hey, look at that lamp. Oh, boy. Just a sexy Now I want you to know that superstars in the World Wrestling Federation have been booking reservations well in advance just to be a part of the hottest show in town. But I have to tell you, there are absolutely no vacancies here at the Heartbreak Hotel. We are booked solid. Look at that now, basketball. Shawn Michaels is the sole proprietor of this fine establishment, and Big Daddy Cool Diesel is the manager. Hmm. So I want everybody to understand that there will be no pilfering of towels, no five-fingering of ashtrays, because if there is, you're going to have to deal with Big Daddy Cool. Big Daddy Cool. Now I want you to take a look at this fine room. Who wouldn't jump at the chance to take a seat next to the Heartbreak Kid? 
a bed. Wouldn't you answer, <laughs> yes? A bed shaped and like a heart? Take a look. Pillow cushions. At this beautiful. Like lips. Beautiful, luxurious room. Is this nice or what? That's classy. You know something? Here on my own show where I've been given valuable television time. Why? Because I'm worth it. Hmm. I'm going to take a couple seconds to get on to a more serious point. And that is you, Razor Ramon. You didn't think for a second that Big Daddy Cool Diesel and I were just going to dry up and blow away, did ya? We haven't even begun to start with you. So Razor Ramon, if you, my friend, have got what it takes, Big Daddy Cool Diesel would like to challenge you for your World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Championship belt and bring it back to where it belongs, the Heartbreak Hotel. Razor Ramon, here you can check out, but you, my friend, can never, ever leave. The Heartbreak Hotel. Turn out the lights. It's checkout time. The Heartbreak Hotel will be back with Yokozuna. 1995, Monday Night Raw. Alondra Blaze over Bull Nakano to win the Women's Championship. After the match is over, Alondra Blaze is attacked by a woman who we later would know is Rhonda Singh, Bertha Faye. And, uh, you know, this was done to give some time off for Alondra Blaze because the word at the time was that she was going to be having some cosmetic surgery on her face. But I have said this repeatedly over the years. I have tweeted about it at least four or five times over the last eight years, and I truly believe this. And I invite anyone out there, spend about 10 minutes of your time, go watch this match, and tell me if I'm wrong. I truly believe in the history of Monday Night Raw, this is the greatest women's match that nobody ever really talks about. When you take into account of how the women are being pushed in today's age of WWE, and you look at this match and realize that it took place in 1995, when you see how hard these two women worked. Now, look, was it a 30-minute match? No. Was it, you know, an unbelievable match? No. I don't know how many stars Meltzer gave this match. But in my eyes, when you watch highlights of wrestling over the years when it comes to women, you know, you'll see clips of Moolah, maybe not as much as you used to. You see clips of Sherry, Miss Elizabeth, even though she doesn't wrestle. Uh, you know, Wendy Richter, Lita, Tristratus, a few others. You rarely ever see highlights of this match talked about. Believe me when I tell you, I'm going to play you the audio of it only because when you hear the moves that are involved, you hear the crowd into it, you hear how it told the story. And at the end of the match, Jim Cornette and Vince McMahon say that it's arguably one of the greatest matches that they have had on Raw. And yes, at the time it was only was around for two years, but 
you realize how big this match was at the time. You know, put the you know post-match attack aside for a few moments, but if you really watch this match, I don't think you'll think I'm off on this. This is the greatest Raw women's match in history that is that is rarely talked about. Seriously, you be the judge. WWF Championship, but we're talking about America. We're talking about Poughkeepsie, New York. We're talking live Monday Night Raw. Oh! And Cornet, what do you? Where have you been? I can't uh, hear you. What do you? Where have you been? Oh hey, no! Look at that. That's one of those audio problems everybody's been talking about around here. <clears throat> Stop the presses! I've got a contract signed right here in my hand. What are you talking about? Next week. Next week, right here on Monday Night Raw, one, two, three, kid, Bob Holly and Bret Hart against Hakushi, Owen Hart, and Yokozuna in a six-man tag. Next week on Monday Night Raw, look at this—a clothesline by Bull Nakano, and Alundra Blaze is in trouble here in the early stages of this matchup. And boom! Oh my goodness! Ha! I knew it. Beauty and the Beast. And as far as I'm concerned, Bill Bonacano is the beauty. And look at this, Bonacano again. Come on, ref, stop that. Didn't take me long to sign that match, Vince. Did I, I miss anything? It. Huh? Did you miss it? Oh, close line by Bonacano. Bonacano and Alundra Blaze, two extraordinary competitors. One, yeah, right across the chest, a cover, and a kick out by Alundra Blaze. Alundra Blaze, look at look at her background. She's got martial arts training. Both, she's she's both been women. a professional kickboxer. I mean, she's a dream date. A dream date come true. Wouldn't you love to go out with her? If you didn't pay for dinner, she'd beat that snot out of you. Bonacano in control at the moment. And Alundra Blaze trying to find a measure of escape. How would you like to have dinner with Bull? I would love that. As a matter of fact, she's a personal friend of me and my uh, my secretary, Miss Quignowski. We dine out all the time. Got wonderful table manners. You should see, you should have seen Reaching last November the celebration in Japan when Bull Nakano oh, won the this. World Wrestling Federation women's title from Alundra Blaze. It was amazing. The whole country shut down for a whole day. Shit. Yeah. They were throwing confetti in the streets. Nobody got on the subway that day. Bull Nakano. Would have been a good thing. And complete control. Come on, ref. And Bonacano will do everything she can to successfully defend the WWF Women's Championship. Oh, my goodness, what a bulldog. And remember, Alundra can only win the title if she pins. Oh, my God. A major submit. With a clothesline, indeed, a series of them, and now it's Alundra with the momentum off the rope. Kick to the face. Alundra Blaze has found the secret to extinguishing this fire that Bull Nakano had, and that is by going to the air. High-impact maneuvers taking her down. Bull Nakano, 255. She's got the weight advantage. Alundra's got to keep going to the air. And she does indeed. The WWF Women's Championship will recover. Two and no, not quite. Bonacano is tough, no question of it. She's not going to get Nakano to give up that easy. No, Nakano ain't going to lay Off down for nobody. Back. Oh, look at this, and oh, oh. Fuck. 
Alundra plays kicking out of that. And that was almost the equivalent of Yoko Zuna in the mid-division. Oh! That's one way to put that blaze out. And a bit of a sharpshooter type. No, look at the What a submission maneuver. Look oh, at that. Backward. That's a cross between a bow and arrow, a Boston clamp, and a single figure four leg lock. Oh, Nakana. Asking you to pro plays if she surrenders. Oh, come on, Rap. Illegal hair pull. I defy even Jim Ross to come up with a name for that. Now, if that had been Roddy Piper in there, you may have heard a longer place say I quit. I don't know. Oh, and look out! Alundra Boom! Have you noticed Piper sticks his nose in everything in WrestleMania? Two, a pole driver, and almost a count of three. She didn't quite get her straight down. She was falling to the side. She couldn't control her weight because a pole driver effectively applied, especially to any woman, is going to signify the end of that match. What a drop kick! Look at that maneuver! A drop kick! And look on the top of Alundra Blaze! Incredible maneuver! Back into the ring, Alundra Blaze. What momentum! On the counter, right back in as well, and... Oh! Now, two! Oh, my goodness, almost a count of three. It's only a matter of time now. You can see Nakano, she's getting stronger. Alundra's throwing the book at her, and she, oh. she keeps on coming. Oh, yeah, no. she said Sikazoi. She said what? Sikazoi. Well over 200 pounds, ladies and gentlemen. From the top, the champion, Bulldog Kano. Forget about it. One, two, and no, a no. kick out. A kick out. I don't believe Alundra it. Alundra Blaze kicked out. I do not believe it. Alundra Blaze. Oh, look, look, look at this, from the top, there's a drop kick on the left. And back to the almost a count of three. And watch this maneuvering now, from the top, that was a little before, back to live action now. There's a block. Oh, and the head, she's... And German suplex. Three, one, two, oh, She's the sure. Pearl Gotch. That was amazing. Unbelievable, what a bridge. And another one. Still can't get her. What a hard-fought matchup. It, it's hard to hold a 250-pound woman. You ought to know that. I'm sure you've tried enough. I love her playing. What's she doing? High risk. But no, can't quite make it up into the end zone. Oh, oh she caught steel the steps. steps. She caught those metal steps. She's got to be handled. I'm going out of my mind here. Wait a minute. Pull the cattle. Listen.
Nagano. She's even bigger than Bull Nakano. Is that a she? It's bigger than Bull Nakano. What? Is this woman from a, one of the fans? From a... It isn't a fan of the, the cops would be let's, in there, let's, but... Let's get some security out here. This... I can't see her face. She's got to go 300. Did we, She's, did we take a break? Are we still on? Are we still live? Are we on, are we on the air with this thing? Or what? Who is it? You didn't tell me nothing. What's going on here? Alondra holding her phone right, right, in, the, right in the nose. Who is it? That woman, whoever she is, just kick Alondra play, plays right in the face. Stay with us, everyone. We'll continue with more WWF Monday Night Raw. That wasn't on the air, was it? Again, this is just audio clips of it. Watch the match. The audio alone does not do its justice. 1995, the ECW Arena. Ian Rotten loses a hair versus hair match against Axel Rotten. For anybody out there that used to collect the old ECW videotapes, they had a release called The Three-Way Dance. The main event was Public Enemy over Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko, along with Tasmaniac and Rick Steiner. Um, that was the event where Ian Rotten lost his hair. 1995 as well, Shannon Moore makes his pro wrestling debut. He lost in a match against Jeff Hardy at a backyard wrestling event in North Carolina. 1997, you'll never hear me ever say the N-word. It's not in my vocabulary, whether you hear me doing a show or in real life. Just don't say it. That's why over the years some people have tried to accuse me of saying it towards certain wrestlers and this and that because they know I don't say it and they know that it upsets me when I'm accused of saying it. But it was this week in 1997 that we actually heard the N-word used on pay-per-view. Yes, Vince McMahon did it once, but before that it was an accident, but it was a legendary promo now. It was Booker T., Stevie Ray and Sensational Sherry at WCW Spring Stampede 1997. They cut a promo, and towards the end of it, Booker T, who was really, really into the promo, accidentally called out Hulk Hogan in this way. Booker T, we've seen the intensity of the matches here tonight, and I expect the same thing is going to happen in this four-quarter match. Let me tell you something, Gino. Can you out here talking about a click? The only click you need to know about is the Harlem Heat and Sister Sherry. See, because what you're dealing with here is the brotherhood. It's nonstop from this point on in WCW. We take what we want. And after we take Lex Luger and the Giant, we want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. I should point out for the record, Stevie Ray, look at this. Take a look. We're talking about the rack, the torture rack of Lex Luger. And what about the choke slam of the giant? These are the things you're going to have to deal with tonight. What about the Harlem hangover? What about the heat seeker? What about the Tower Inferno? I don't see nobody talking about that. You think we came out here because it's time for rumper room, sucker? Well, let me tell you something. When me and my brother go to school, <laughs> the principal checks out. Lex Luger. Giant, get ready, because we coming for the gold. That's Hulk Hogan's gold, and you two suckers are in the way. We taking you out one at a time. Now, can you dig it? I thank you very much. I suspect, Sister Sherry, like many of the managerial uh, uh, people that I've uh, known, if uh, your man come up with a victory tonight, I'm assuming there's going to be a little party. There is going to be a great big party in Harlem tonight. We're going to pick our skirts up, and we're going to knock our legs all over the place, and we're going to... 
Celebrate the gold. Gene, yes. there's a lot of knuckleheads out there I've been looking over the Harlem heat. But after the night, after we get the shot with Hulk Hogan, all the knucklehead suckers can lay the rest because we taking it all. Now, can you dig it? All right, Harlem Heat, Sister Sherry, I thank you. By the way, Bobby Heenan, you probably heard about that party. That's something I'm certain that might interest you. Right now, let's get you back inside the arena for more action here at Spring Stampede. Now, interesting enough, I think it was 2016, Booker T did an interview on a radio show that he normally did at the time, and he still does radio now. He talked about this clip, and he revealed that in 2016, when he watched this clip and commented about it, that was the first time that he ever saw the clip since he recorded it in 1997. So think of that. All through, for almost two decades, Booker T claims that he never rewatched that clip, that it was only in an interview in 2016 that he watched it again and gave comments on it. And if you're curious of how Booker T feels about that promo, here's a little snippet from his 2016 radio show. Man, that was the best promo I probably could have ever got in my life. <laughs> That's what's so bad about it. I go back and listen to it, man. You know what's crazy is? Let me tell you something. <laughs> what's crazy is, uh, after listening to that right there, man, like I said, it sounded so good um, for a minute there. That's the first time I've listened to that promo ever. Really? That yeah, was the first time you've seen it? That, no, heard that, it since, since it happened? Since it happened in 1997. That's the first time that I have listened to that promo. I swear to God. And I'm not just saying that. I'm, I mean, that's, that's the truth. I want the world to know that. Sports Radio 16, this heated conversation. Wow. Um, and the reason why, when I said that, I felt like I wanted to put my head in the sand. Um, I felt like I shrank, um, you know, you know, three, four, five inches. You know, I felt like I let so many people down um, that had looked up to me. And um, I felt, man, like, man, that was the worst day. I could actually say that, you know, besides my mother passing away, you know, when I was 14 years old, I think that was one of the worst days of my life. You know, um, and and the thing is, you know, we got the Hulk Hogan scandal going on right now, but I think the issue is bigger than Hulk Hogan. We're going to talk about that. But I think the uh, the issue is bigger. Um, than that. And the reason why I say that is, um, felt like I let so many people down that looked up to me. And, and now that, that clip is on YouTube forevermore for people to watch, you know, and I get so many, um, brothers coming to me and they, um, they celebrate it. It's almost like an anthem, you know, and, um, and I have to tell them, look, man, no, nah, that, that ain't, you know, cool. That's, that's, uh, you know, for me, that was, that was all bad, man. I was, you know, that was something I wish I could take back 10 times over. Um, that's not the way you want to ever be remembered. I wish that that one clip is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. You know, and um, I think about the young people that look up to me now, you know, and they and they, they go and see that clip right there. And, then, you know, they a lot of them say, well, if Booker T said it, I can say it. You know what I mean? And my thing is I, I want to let the young people out there know and just the world know in general. The world uh, needs to know uh, that that word need to be eradicated from the dictionary. I mean, if we can uh, pull that Confederate flag down. And we definitely could take that word out of the dictionary. Um, we definitely st can start thinking uh, of new ways to, um, you know, talk to each other. You know what I mean? And and, and that the thing is, it's totally out of hand. Speaking of WCW, 1999, they introduced This Week in History to their new WCW logo. 
And what what is weird, because I don't remember it, and people claim that it is real. And if you do a Google image search, it does appear to be real. But there is a TV Guide advertisement for Monday Nitro for that particular week. And they show the debut of the logo. And in the magazine or in the newspaper, they actually compare the WCW logo to bird shit. I kid you not. And when you look at it in the magazine, it looks like some like a bird took a shit in the, in the magazine. I don't know what, I don't know who came up with that. I don't know who at WCW behind it. I don't think you can blame Russo on this one. I know a lot of you like to blame Russo, but just seriously, go do a Google image search, type in new WCW logo 1999, Nitro. You'll see what I'm talking about. And remember, last week we talked about how um, that Nitro was going to have a reboot under the Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff regime. It was this week in 2000 that that went down. So Raw pretty much ran unopposed against Nitro. Nitro did a best of show this week in the year 2000. So Raw destroyed Nitro in the rating 6.4 or 1.8. But the big news coming out of Nitro this week in 2000 was the... uh, you know, he was a traitor, became a traitor. He became the most hated man in ECW. Mike Awesome, as the ECW heavyweight champion, signed a deal with WCW. He breached on his contract with ECW. All of us that were fans of ECW at the time thought that Mike Awesome was going to show up on Nitro with the ECW title and throw it in the garbage. There was a lot of major controversy, a lot of threats of lawsuits. There was a lot of horrible shit going down. And if you remember... They brought back Mike Awesome as the ECW heavyweight champion, which we will be covering in the near future. And he dropped the title against Taz, uh, who was a contracted WWF wrestler at the time at an ECW event. And Doug Dillinger and security had to like escort Mike Awesome in the building and escort him out because they thought he was going to get his ass kicked. It was really fucked up at the time. I mean, you, you knew how the Monday Night Wars of WCW and WWF were so heated. You knew how, you know, it was looked at that WCW pilged ECW's talent, taking away all these wrestlers, signing the big-time contracts. You know, it was, you know, it was just business at the time. But still, this was a big deal. You have no idea. If you weren't around at that time or weren't a wrestling man at the time, you don't realize how big of a deal this was amongst the hotlines, amongst, you know, wrestling fans, just living through the Monday Night Wars, being an ECW fan, a big fucking deal in 2000. Another big fucking deal deal in 2000 was Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement. He, remember, was retired after losing his match against uh, Steve Austin at WrestleMania. He came out of retirement, wrestled for his TWA promotion, and he actually won the title and quote-unquote ownership because there was a storyline going on at the time against him and Paul Diamond, who he wrestled as Venom. And, uh, you know, he actually came out of retirement and had a pretty good, big-time brawl. The match is on YouTube. So if you've never seen it before, go check it out. Remember, he came back to the WWE as far as wrestling in 2002. But two years before, for a very brief time, he came out of retirement and wrestled for TWA against Paul Diamond. And the entire match is online. So go check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. And finally, for 2000, this week, 
Paul London made his pro wrestling debut. He was wrestling in Texas at the time, wrestled a couple of indie shows, and then shortly after would sign with Shawn Michaels' Texas Wrestling Academy. So there you go. 2001, another wrestling debut, Jazzy Gabbert, which I know some of you are familiar with, uh, makes her pro wrestling debut. She wrestled twice in her debut uh, the same day. It took place for an event in Berlin, Germany. The federation was GWF. It looks like that they had two tapings that night or two events that night. Uh, the first event, which was Hardcore Night number 2, Westna over Blue Nikita and Jazzy Bai. That's the name that she went uh, under at that time in a three-way dance. And another match that took place later on, the Heavy Battle number 2, Blue Nikita that time uh, went to a no contest against Jazzy Bai and Westna. So they, these same three women wrestled each other twice that night. Wesner getting the victory in one match and the other match ending in a no contest. Now we have to wrap up 2001 talking about Steve Austin. You got to keep in mind at this time, WCW was out of business for two weeks. The Monday Night Wars were done for two weeks. Makes you wonder how much higher WWE's ratings would have gone against Nitro if they would have remained in business while Steve Austin was in the midst of this heel turn. Last week when we covered This Week in Wrestling History, the WrestleMania match that took place with Austin took place. And this week was the beginning of Steve Austin's heel turn, joining up with Vince McMahon, joining up with Triple H. And if you want to see brutality, I mean, we've had wrestlers turn heel over the years, decades. I mean, forever. But I arguably say... Look at the seven days following Steve Austin's heel turn at WrestleMania, and I can't find many others that not only cut such a, a realistic promo, suspension of disbelief, really making you believe why he turned heel, but the absolute brutality you know, that was portrayed, the visuals were beautiful. Now, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, first you have Monday Night Raw that week, there was a tag team match. Lita and Hardys defeated Steve Austin, Stephanie, and Triple H. After that match, if you want to see something to the point, I, I guarantee in this era of P PC, some will find it disturbing. Watch the footage of Triple H and especially Steve Austin beat down Lita and the Hardys after this match was over, especially Steve Austin chair bashing Lita. I'm telling you, you watch it closely and like, wow, this is kind of hard to watch. I'm kidding you not. But I'm going to share an audio clip. This is from SmackDown of that week. JR, they were in Oklahoma, his hometown, his home, you know, home base. And obviously him being a baby face is magnified or it's tripled and quadrupled. So he comes out and he wants to interview Steve Austin. Now we know the friendship that Steve Austin and Jim Ross had. And still have. But at that time when Steve Austin turned heel, look, anybody that listens to the regular shows that I do, I bring up storyline stupidity quite a bit. And in 2001, there could have been an argument for storyline stupidity after everything with Austin and McMahon and Austin and Tri Triple H feuding and this and that. Why would Austin align himself with McMahon? There would have been an argument for storyline stupidity. But I honestly think this promo that Steve Austin cut with JR not only eliminated any thoughts of storyline stupidity, 
But, man, what a great back and forth between those two. Here you go. SmackDown 2001 JR interviews Steve Austin. There's a lot of things I'd like to talk to you about in private that hadn't been made possible. This is not about me and you. I just think there's a lot of questions, Steve, that that you should answer for the fans around the world. And I, the first question I think is the most obvious one is that why in God's name have you aligned yourself with Mr. McMahon, a human being that I know in your heart you have despised more than anybody walking the face of the earth? Well, that's a pretty simple answer. It's an insurance policy, Jim. How stupid are you? I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin. I said I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin. I said I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I just... I just made the single biggest comeback in the history of our business. A successful comeback, I might add. Did you think I was so stupid to roll into WrestleMania without an insurance policy? I'm right there in my backyard, Houston, Texas. WrestleMania, the biggest pay-per-view in the history of the industry. And now just look at me when I'm talking to you. And I'm not going to roll in there without an insurance policy like I'm going to take a chance on being a loser. No, sir. Vince McMahon is an insurance policy to Stone Cold Steve Austin then, and he will continue to be so in the future. All right. But, Steve, don't you think, don't you feel any, any remorse for turning your back on the millions of fans around the world that have supported you. They're chanting for Rocky. I really don't appreciate the response I'm getting right now. Why in the hell would I feel remorse for anything I've done, Jim? When did Stone Cold ever say, hey, I love to be a hero. I want to be a hero. I want to be these people's hero. When have you ever heard Stone Cold Steve Austin say that? When have you ever heard me say, yeah, I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin and I care about and I love the WWF fans. When have you heard me say that? You've never heard me say that, have you? And you sit there behind your stupid little desk every week and you go, the rattlesnake, the rattlesnake, the rattlesnake. Hello, Jim. I come out here and I say, DTA, don't trust anybody. And especially, don't trust Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't feel sorry for one single soul out here in this God-forsaken town or in America or anywhere in the damn world. 
All right. So you don't care about the fans anywhere. I guess that's your prerogative. Are you sassing me? No. Don't you dare sass me. Do I make myself clear? Yes. Next question. Monday night on Raw, you stood in the ring right next to a man, Triple H, that orchestrated the most elaborate conspiracy to run you down like roadkill with the express thought in mind to put you out of the WWF forever. How can you become all of a sudden an ally to Triple H? Are you going to talk about Triple H behind his back? Because Triple H ain't out here to defend himself? You're going to talk trash about Triple H? Is that it? Shut up. I'm talking. When I talk, you listen. Shut the hole in your face. If that man was sick enough to run over Stone Cold Steve Austin with a car, if he was sick enough to try to put me out of this business, and he was not successful, but if he was sick enough to do that, wouldn't you want him on your side too? And I'll tell you right now, if you want any more of an answer from Stone Cold Steve Austin about that question, you'll have to beat it out of me. Do you understand what I just told you? I heard you, Steve. Look at you. Your little cowboy hat. Your little glasses. Your stupid little belt buckle. Look at me. You look like you just lost your best friend. Well, you know, maybe I have. You know, I I can remember when he came out of surgery, there was one person in the WWF that was there. That was me. And on Super Bowl Sunday, three weeks after your spinal surgery, there was one person you talked to on national television, and that was me. And the one person that would call you time and time again when you were healing that said, Stone Cold, don't you give up. You'll be back in the WWF, and you'll be the WWF champion. That was me, Steve. And the only people from the WWF that you and Debbie invited to your wedding was me and my wife. So yeah, Steve, I do feel like I'm losing my best friend and it don't feel good. Let me see if I can sort through all this sentimental crap and get down to the bottom line. You're telling me right now Stone Cold Steve Austin turns up the voltage and you don't want to be my friend no more? I never said that. I never said that. It sounds to me like you said you don't want to be Stone Cold Steve Austin's friend. Does that make you mad? I knock your little cowboy hat off, I pull your glasses off. Huh? Does that make you mad? You want to punch me, hillbilly boy, right here in your hometown? No, Steve. No. 
Go ahead, you little mealy mouth. Take your best swing at Stone Cold, your old best friend. I think this interview was a mistake. Interview over. Sorry. Wait a minute. What the hell is Austin doing? Man, this is too much, Cole. Stone Cold just attacked JR from behind. Wait a minute. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it. Damn it, stop it right now. What do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing, Austin? That's your best friend out there. And you're taking it easy on your very best friend. Damn it, Steve. Come on. Open him up. Open him up. Jim Ross has been stop bloody. Steve, man, stop. Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's that son of a a lesson. Damn. Stone Cold Steve Austin following orders from Mr. McMahon to beat the hell out of his once best friend Taz. Can't believe this, Cole. And a number of officials making their way down to the ring. Jim Ross has been has been beaten to a bloody pulp by Austin, and now he's got the belt off. Austin ain't stopping. He's gonna choke him out. He's busting him open. This is sick, man. Steve, stop! He's in. Austin is crazed, Taz. Austin in that altered state we've only seen once before, and that was a vicious assault on the rock. And look at Jim Ross. I just looked up at the ring pole. I looked at Austin's eye real quick, man. He looks sick. He's whacked, man. He's like a crazed dog. Manson like psychotic. Well, get in the ring and stop him, refs. Damn. Well, you can't blame them, though. You can't blame him at all. Stone Cold Steve Austin, just stop this now. Austin destroying Jim Ross. Damn. And look at the satisfied grin on Mr. McMahon's face. Austin following orders from Mr. McMahon, Taz. Austin destroying his, his good friend Jim Ross in Jim Ross's hometown in front of his, his own people. Jim Ross's family's here, damn it. I'm speechless, Paul. I, I just... I never thought I'd see the day that the rattlesnake would bite JR in the heart. Vampiro at CMLL in La Arena, Mexico. He loses his hair in a match against Shaka. Also in 2003, we had the return of Kevin Nash on Monday Night Raw. He had been out almost nine months due to the leg injury. Remember that? At the time, we were laughing until we realized the severity of the injury. He came back and he looked great. So that happened this week in 03. Another 
moment on Raw in 2003. The Rock defeated Jeff Hardy. The reason why I mention this match is because to date, that match that The Rock had against Jeff Hardy is the last match The Rock has had on WWE television as far as non-pay-per-view goes. All right, on pay-per-view, yes, he's had some matches. Take away the pay-per-view, this match against Jeff Hardy, his last. Also, that week on SmackDown, we had the return of Roddy Piper. Last time we had saw him on WWE television was back in 1995 when he had the match against Goldust at WrestleMania 12. This was a Piper's Pit segment, and a lot of you will remember this segment. The end of it had Rikishi coming out, confronting Roddy Piper. This led to Sean O'Hare attacking Rikishi, and then they cracked the coconut over Rikishi's head. I'm sure you all remember that. But it, that was a great visual. But on audio, it wasn't all that superb. However, Piper's pit from that night, interviewing Vince McMahon is memorable. And as you will hear, this will spark a lot of memories, especially because when Piper came back, he had health issues. He had a big stomach. And Vince McMahon made certain to make fun of Piper's uh, punch. Here you go, 2003, Roddy Piper, Vince McMahon, SmackDown. Well, I've got a big smile on my face here tonight, and why not? Why not? Because it was just one week ago when I, I guess you'd have to say I permanently terminated Hulkamania. I think you'd have to say I gave Hulkamania a lethal dose of leprosy. And I said before, I'm going to honor my contract with Hogan. Yes, I will. I'll pay him every nickel he's got coming to him to stay at home. It's worth it to a man like me to keep Hogan at home. And each day Hogan stays at home, each day Hogan's flesh begins to rot from his decrepit bones. By the time Hulk Hogan's WWE contract has expired, Hogan will be so old, he'll be confined to a wheelchair. Not to worry. I'll make sure there's a great big reservoir bag underneath the wheelchair just to collect his bodily waste. So indeed, I, Vince McMahon, have permanently shelved Hulkamania. But in doing so, not on that same shelf, but just across on the other side in the same closet, though, there was something else I decided to pull off the shelf, yet another one of my creations. Hulkamania was one of my creations, so too is this. I'm about to pull off this shelf, blow the dust off of it, and present it to you. So here, ladies and gentlemen, some 14 years later, yet another one of my creations, the star 
of Piper's Pit, ladies and gentlemen, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper! think about that <laughs> let me set something real straight here nobody but nobody made Roddy Piper nobody but nobody made Piper's pit except me and my balls and my flesh and I'm nothing to do with you Seat, man. Chill. Easy. Stay in front of me here. I, I'll give you credit. I mean, I'll give you credit for having something you do with creating Piper's Pit. But uh, it seems to me that lately you've created something else. What? What the hell is this, man? What the hell is that? Is this Piper's Pit or Piper's Punch? Oh, oh. The last time I saw a belly that size, Mae Young was nine months pregnant. <laughs> and she had a hand. Looks like you're working on twins. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys want to know what's underneath the Scotsman's kilt? In Roddy's case, it's just an overhanging flap. <laughs> no, no. Wait a minute. No. I'm just ribbing you here. But I got to say, you look like you... You've been to hell in a handbasket, man. Look at you, look horrible. I mean, well, maybe not hell in a handbasket, maybe hell in a, a breadbasket. Whoa, whoa, I know you're thinking, maybe you're thinking about kicking my ass right about now. I know you, okay? So what I'm about to suggest is, whoa, whoa, easy now. Don't be thinking about kicking my ass. What about kissing my ass? You see? No, no, come on, hey. You know the rules around here. No, there's a club. No, no, no. There's a club called the Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club. See, the way, way, way you play it is I drop my trowel, you pucker your lips up, and then... Well, maybe that's not such a good idea. I'm after sorry. All, I have children. <laughs> well, I, okay, I, I'm sorry, but 
Maybe that's not such a good idea because the last time I saw your lips in action this afternoon, yeah. they were sucking on a Brockwurst. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you see if your good childbearing hips can get between the arms there of the chair? And let me tell you what I think about you, oh, great creator of ours. Let me see. This is your life, Vince McMahon. You started off as a little nothing. First thing you did was become a rock and roll promoter, and you went what? Belly up, yeah. Broke, yeah. Nada, nothing. Of course, then again, wait, we gotta give him credit. You are tremendous, you know. There was the Bodybuilding Federation. Oh, it was a good one. I'll tell you, that was a good one. You are a creative man, you are. Yeah, nice rub, too. Nice rub there. I'm sorry, must cost thousands. And the shoulders you have in, in there, the padded shoulders. Why, you're ready to play football now, aren't you? Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be XFL. Was that it? Oh, that was a big one. That was a big one. So basically, the only job you've been able to hold is the one your daddy gave you. Junior. See, you don't frighten me. I will give you some kind of credit. I just can't figure out what it might be. Why don't you stand up then? Oh, boy. I think you'll admit to one thing. We got one thing in common, pal. What's that? And that's our dislike for Hogan. Well, I'm gonna be an honest man and stand up here. I gotta say, yes, that's true. The only thing we may have in common is you did create Hulkamania. You did make Hulk. Hey, Hogan, I know you're watching. If it wasn't for this guy, you'd be nothing because he kept cutting my interviews. Every time I talked about your bald head. Every time he cotton-balled you, you would be nothing. Then you bring your son. This man here created everything about you. Matter of fact, I hate you, Hogan. Oh, wait, wait. Get your damn arm off of me. I hate you, too. Two thousand and five. WrestleMania 21. WrestleMania goes Hollywood from the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California. This event had us uh, enjoy the surprise return of Hulk Hogan. He actually appeared to help Nick Dinsmore. Remember, uh, Eugene was getting beat down by Muhammad Hassan and Davari. Hogan made the save. That little montage, that little clip, that little cameo is something that I honestly thought over the years WWE would do more of. Yes, I know we've had things with a league of urinations, got into it with some WWE legends, but you would kind of think that they would do it a little bit more than they have. But still, I enjoyed that segment. I thought it was pretty cool. Matches from that night, Rey Mysterio of Eddie Guerrero, Edge over Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Christian Kane and Shelton Benjamin to win the Money in the Bank ladder match. Undertaker over Randy Orton, Trish Stratus over Christy Hemme for the women's title. 
Kurt Angle over Shawn Michaels by submission. Aki Bono defeated Big Show in a sumo match. Oh, man. Remember the, remember the, the, oh, the ass. The ass. The ass. That ass. That's going to be on the synopsis for sure. John Cena over JBL for the WWE Championship. And in the main event, Batista over Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship. 2006, a couple of memorable audio clips that I will share with all of you. But first, if you are curious, remember when Mickey James was in the midst of that storyline, being obsessed with Trish Stratus? We talked about it on previous episodes of This Week in Wrestling History. Well, it was this week, in 2006, that Mickey James came out blonde. She showed up on Raw with the blonde hair and the outfit looking just like Trish. Interesting. So if you want to see a blonde Mickey James, go check out this week on Raw in 2006. Another moment on Raw from that night, which I just thought was horrendous. I was never a fan of the Spirit Squad. Okay, then. I hated the fucking Spirit Squad. None against them personally. Because obviously we've had some stars come out of that. Some have drifted away. Obviously, Dolph Ziggler is the one that everybody you know knows the most. But it was this week in 06 that uh, Kenny Doan and Mike Mondo defeated Big Show and Kane to win the World Tag Team Championship. And even though those two guys were the only two in the match, WWE recognized all five members of the Spirit Squad as champions. Not only that, they would defend the titles under the Freebird rule for the next seven months, and it's been acknowledged over the years that made them the longest reigning tag champs since the 80s at that time. Unfucking believable. So there you go. Now, 2006 also, Vladimir Kozlov makes his pro wrestling debut. He started wrestling under his real name, Oleg Prudius. And he had his first match in Deep South Wrestling, defeating Tommy Swade. He would ultimately make the main roster for SmackDown um, about two years later. So I, I know there was a lot of issues with him early on. I remember the thing with Jerry Jarrett showing up on in WWE headquarters. We don't need to get into that whole story again. But we also had two audio moments I want to share with everyone. First, we had a... Uh, interesting back and forth exchange between the nature boy Ric Flair and Armando Alejandro Estrada. Remember that? I figured I'd share it because how many times do we get to ever enjoy again Armando's promos? I honestly thought the debut of Umaga on Monday Night Raw, I thought that was uh, Estrada's best promo that he ever did in WWE right at the beginning. So for everyone out there that would like to, you know, just go back in memory lane, here's the night that uh, Estrada and Ric Flair had a little back-and-forth exchange in the middle of the ring. This would lead to Umaga being brought out, who basically destroyed Ric Flair. That's how he was introduced to the WWE Universe. Well, last 
last night at WrestleMania, the Nature Boy Ric Flair competed in that Money in the Bank ladder match. He took a hellacious fall off the ladder. He was made to leave by our doctor and trainers. Came back limping to the match. Came up a little short, but... Well, you know what? To be honest with you, I talked to Ric Flair earlier. I talked to the trainer, Chris. Flair actually shouldn't be out here right now. He should not be walking. That knee is... He's kind of messed up. Some unbelievable moments in Chicago. Like that's a shocker. <laughs> Woo! But better than that, I've had some unbelievable moments in my career here in Chicago. Last night, WrestleMania 22, Ric Flair gave 120%, Ric Flair didn't win. That does not, that does not mean that my pursuit of the World Heavyweight Championship is gonna be any less. I still believe that the Nature Boy has a 17th title run in him. Woo! Esperate! 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 Espérate! Who is this? Ahora! Nos todos! Escúchenme! Everybody, listen to me! My name is Armando Alejandro Estrada! Ladies and gentlemen, mira, as the nature boy, Ric Flair, the 16-time heavyweight champion. Amigo, your time is over. It's time for a change. America needs a new hero, and his name as <laughs> Listen here, pal. I don't know who you're talking about, but don't be walking out here getting in my Hey, time. don't interrupt me. Don't interrupt me, pendejo. I said my name is Armando Alejandro Estrada. And I grew up watching you down in my home country of Cuba, watching you on my broken down TV with the rabbit ears for antenna, held together by aluminum foil. That was then, and this is now. Now, yo estoy negocio. I am a businessman. I enjoy the nicer things in life. Uh -huh. I enjoy nice clothes, just like you. <laughs> I enjoy nice women, beautiful women, the chicas, just like you. And amigo, 
more than anything else. Ah, I enjoy the dinero, the cash, the money. But ah. now your time is over. Allow me to introduce to you the man who is going to change the face of Monday Night Raw and the entire WWE. I give to you. Did you raise your voice at the Nature Boy Ric Flair? Right. Did you walk out here? You nothing happened, island jumper Cuban. And get in my face. Uh-oh. You got a new boy on the street. Let's not talk about it. Let's bring him out here and let's see what he's got. Because the 16-time world heavyweight champion is standing right here. Amigo, I can do you one better. Bendejo! You've overstayed your welcome. It's time for you to go. Ladies and gentlemen, Davis Caballeros, I give to you. Oh my God. Um, umaga. Umaga? umaga? What is this? Who is this? Whatever he is, or whoever he is, he, look at the size of this guy. He's damn big. Umaga is, is, is big. A strata guy just kicked Flair from behind and that bad knee that, that he injured last night is money in the bank at WrestleMania. One of these two are the opportunistic. Amendo, Alejandro, Estrada, and, and Umaga. This Umaga is a huge man. And, with a, wow, he's a man already. A huge man. Oh, no. No. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Get him up. Get him up. Get him up. Alejandro Estrada is telling Umaga to get the nature boy up. Umaga so just. Why you speak Spanish now, coach? Umaga may have just. A little bit. Crushed the Look face of the 16 time world heavyweight champion, Nature Boy Ric Flair. Well, you got two guys out here. This Estrada guy kicks Flair from behind in that bad knee. And now he's instructing this Umaga to, to break Flair. Come on, we need some he's he's trying, he's trying help to, out here. He's trying to break the future Hall of Famer. Oh, come on. Wow. Damn it. Flair didn't come out here to compete tonight. Hey, but Flair said the 16-time world champion is standing right here. Well, the Nature Boy isn't standing anymore. Damn it, why Flair? This, this is Estrada. Armando Alejandro is Estrada this this Umaga. Who is this freak? I cannot I cannot think of a better night or a bigger night to make an impact in a debut. Oh come on, come tonight. But the, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. You get you gotta attack a legend right. who's Flair, injured. Flair, come on, Flair was already injured to start with. Look at him now. I guarantee you, people are gonna be talking about this tomorrow morning. That same night on Raw, yeah, it's in the annals of WrestleCrap history. Vince McMahon comes out, standing alongside Shane. He's in a neck brace, by the way. 
Shawn Michaels is in the ring. This is right after WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon gets on the mic, talks about how he feels that divine intervention is the reason why Shawn Michaels uh, beat him down, but it would not last because a tag team match was announced this week in 2006 for the upcoming pay-per-view backlash. I'll let Vince announce to all of you who would be the participants in this match. You have any idea what you've done? You have any idea, Shawn Michaels, what you've done? My devoted wife, Linda, was backstage at WrestleMania, and she witnessed what you did to me. My sweet, innocent daughter, Stephanie, Likewise, was backstage. She, too, witnessed what you did to me. And by the way, my daughter Stephanie is six months pregnant. But nothing, nothing can compare to the emotional scarring you put my son Shane through. When you took his face and you shoved it all the way up into my rectal cavity. And then you handcuffed my son Shane to the ring ropes and made him watch as you took liberties with me in the ring. You may not realize this, you may not care, but my son Shane is psychologically and emotionally scarred for life. And yet, and yet you, Sean, you want to move on. You want a championship match. Let me tell you something. There's no chance in hell for that happening. Matter of fact, I've got two words for you, Sean. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you, you've got two words for me. <laughs> you, you've got two words for me. Well, guess what? HBK in Chicago got two words for ya! (laughs) So disrespectful. Chicago. That is one loud DX chick. My two words for you, my two words for you are divine intervention. Let me repeat that, divine intervention. Because you know damn well, I was on my way at WrestleMania of ripping you apart limb from limb until you had some unexpected help. You had had help from God. I mean, essentially, it became a handicap match, me versus you and God. There you go again, God. There you go again. Picking on me. You always were a bully. Whoa, whoa, hey, Vince, I don't mean to I don't mean to interrupt your whatever that is, your delirious rant you got going on there with the Almighty. Who and, and who am I to judge could be the meds. I don't know. Or it could be that you have finally, finally gone completely insane. <laughs> uh oh. 
but, but you know, bear with me, Mental Monty. Do you, do you, anywhere in this, I don't know, somewhere, do you have a, a point? Yeah, I've got a point. And the point is this. You can't win. You can't win against the McMahons. You nor anyone else in the world can beat the McMahons. You can't do it. You see, you may win a, a battle or two here and there, but you will never ever win the war against the McMahons. And by the way, pal, that's exactly what you're in. You're in a war. And that war for you is gonna continue because I'm gonna get a lot better. My son Shane is, he's gonna get over this emotional scarring, I'm telling you. In less than four weeks time, at Backlash, there's gonna be a tag team match, John. It's gonna be you and your tag team partner, the good Lord Almighty. That's right, you and God versus me, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and the product of my semen, it's my son Shane. I think he has snapped. Oh. Brother Chance! Is that really a, a, a tag team match? I don't know as far as Mr. McMahon's concerned it is. Can he do that? I mean, Michael's provoked this. This is Shawn Michaels' fault. But I don't know that we've ever seen the Lord in a tag team match before in the history of this company. I think Mr. McMahon has really finally snapped. He just fucked God. <laughs> In a tag team, man. I know. I, I, I don't know. Motherfucking God. And I don't mean it like that, but they actually put God in a match. And I remember the promos hyping this up. What was it? Just like a bright light? <laughs> it was pretty fucking funny. Ah, 2008, Adam Cole. A lot of you are very much into his work right now. He made his pro wrestling debut in Pennsylvania. Uh, he would ultimately debut for Combat Zone Wrestling a few months later. I believe his first event was ACPW in Springfield, and he lost his debut match against Tsunami. 2009, WWE presented WrestleMania 25. One of the matches, noteworthy right off the bat, Rey Mysterio defeated JBL in 20 seconds to win the IC Championship. The reason why I mention that is because JBL quit after that match, and we would ultimately realize that he was retiring from in-ring competition. The full card that night, CM Punk over Christian, Finley, Kane, Kofi Kingston, Mark Henry, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin to win the Money in the Bank ladder match. Santino Morella, very forgetful, won the Miss WrestleMania Battle Royal. Yeah, there was a woman's Battle Royal at WrestleMania before. Yeah, and... Santina, not Santino, Santina Varela won it. And who is the uh, guest timekeeper? It was Mae Young. Chris Jericho over Jimmy Snuka, Ricky Steamboat, and Roddy Piper in a handicapped elimination match. I mean, WWE, I know, has done highlights of this match on their WrestleMania section. of uh, They have these WrestleMania documentaries on the WWE Network. It is a lot of fun. I mean, you remember... Several weeks ago, I played the audio clip of Chris Jericho and Larry King Live with Mickey Rourke, which was the drizzling shits. Not to the fault of Chris Jericho, but Mickey Rourke was just horrendous. They had to play into this because of the movie The Wrestler. Mickey Rourke would ultimately knock out Chris Jericho 
after this match ended, but it was most memorable for Ricky Steamboat's work in this match. I originally was going to play the audio of the match, but honestly, go watch it. I mean, to see, you know, it, it, it was a little depressing to see three of your favorites way beyond, you know, their, their career uh, as far as prime. But Ricky Steamboat really, really put on a performance, and we loved it. It was really fucking great. So go check that out. Matt Hardy over Jeff in an Extreme Rules match. As I said earlier, Rey Mysterio over JBL to win the IC title. Undertaker over Shawn Michaels. And John Cena defeating the Big Show and Edge in a triple threat match for the World Heavyweight title. Main event, Triple H defeating Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. A lot of people forget the stipulation in that match. If Triple H would have been counted out or DQ'd, he would have lost the title. So now we head to 2010, and we have a TNA audio clip coming up. Man, was that fucking terrible. But first... You might remember this. It was on television that week for WWE that CM Punk tried to get his NXT protege, Darren Young, to join the Straight Edge Society. They wanted him to cut his hair. When he refused to have his head shaved, they beat him down until Rey Mysterio made the save. That same week, Restlicious. I take pride. Not, I don't take pride in their demise, but I remember all of those websites that were trying to get a handout, a hand job, a rub, you know, something from Wrestlelicious, and in return, they were giving them this insane amount of positive publicity. I think I was the only fucking show at that time, and believe me, you could go up. I know I make claims like that sometimes. Newer listeners might be, what are you, out of your mind? You weren't the only one. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably someone here and there that I'm not aware of, but if you really go back and look at Wrestlelicious when it was being hyped and when it came out, I mean, we were the only show where we pretty much looked at it, and it was a joke. It really was. I mean, it was cool for the girls to get a payday. Jimmy Hart and others, you know, obviously they were instrumental because this was a a young guy that won a lottery that knew nothing about running a wrestling company. So did Jimmy Hart maybe take a little bit of advantage? Yeah, maybe, but wouldn't you or I have done the same thing? But that was just a joke. It was just ridiculously stupid. And we predicted its demise. And I remember getting the emails from people involved in Restlicious, you know, telling us to, you know, take that stuff down. And, you know, you, you're, you, how could you say that? Or that, fuck you. Just giving my honest opinion. These are opinion shows. Well, this is a recap, but I do opinion shows. I give you my thoughts. You don't have to agree with it. The cool thing about what we do since day one, going back to my hotline days in 1998, we don't all agree on stuff. We give our opinions. You like it. You you dislike it. You agree. You disagree. As long as we respect each other. So, and speaking of disliking something, TNA Impact this week in 2010. Two things happened that night. I thought about putting the photo in the synopsis, but I thought, you know, I think it's a little too inappropriate, even though we know it's probably watered down mayonnaise or milk, probably milk or heavy cream because milk is too thin. I think it was heavy cream or half and half the more I think about it. But something happened at the end of TNA Impact that night. They had a match with Homicide and Rob Terry. And at the very end of the match, we hear some music playing and it ends up being Orlando Jordan. Orlando Jordan comes out from the back. He's wearing a mask, kind of like the New Orleans-type Mardi Gras mask or whatever. I think that's what it was. 
and he's got like a, a bottle in his hand. The best way I could describe it, I haven't seen the clip in a very long time, but the best way I could describe it is, you know, when you when you were younger, you would go to like a picnic and they would have these generic, big, round, oval bottles for ketchup and mustard. They One would be yellow, one would be red. And look, I know that they have mustard and ketchup bottles today, but for the most part, they're like all different shapes and designs, or you have little miniature Heinz bottles. Back then, we had these generic 39-cent big plastic bottles with a big, tiny spout at the end. You put it under your shirt, it looked like you had big pointy nipples. Because I remember some of my friends doing that when you were going, hey, look at my nipples. But Orlando Jordan comes out with one of these bottles. He's looking at Rob Terry, and he squirts the bottle, and he's squirting it, and it's simulating someone's penis ejaculating. And TNA got into hot water for that. They tried to to cover it up. They tried to say that it wasn't that, you know. No, that's exactly what it fucking was. You know, whether it has nothing to do with him being a homosexual or heterosexual, doing something like that was just way inappropriate at the end. Remember, this is, you know, not too far into the whole cast members and children showing up in Orlando and Universal. Fuck that. That same night, though, you know, they had a knockouts lock box challenge. And basically there were eight women in the match, Angelina, Daphne, Tara, Hamada, Velvet Sky, Lacey Von Eric, Madison Rain, and ODB. And basically, the winners of the match would get a key that would open a lockbox. What the fuck were the lockboxes? The knockouts title. So that means someone was going to win the knockouts title, not in a match, but just opening a box. A uh, Tara, who's victorious, pet spider, her tarantula, an open contract for a, the, a match of the of the person's choosing and a strip tease, all right? So we got the strip tease, a contract for a match, an open contract, the knockouts championship, and Tara's spider. So we end up having the match, and it ends up being Tara, Daphne, Angelina Love, and Velvet Sky. Those are the four that are remaining. Would you like to know the results of this clusterfuck? TNA Lockbox Challenge. Thank you very much, Mike Tanae, Taz. Gentlemen, we have reached the moment we have all been waiting for. Tonight, we are going to find out the contents of these lockboxes. As determined earlier tonight, Daphne, Angelina Love, Tara, Velvet Sky. Tonight, the lives of these four ladies are about to change right before our very own eyes. We know the contents of these lockboxes now. It's time to find out what's inside. It's time for the lockbox showdown. Bring down the lights. Ladies, these items have been placed strategically in these boxes completely at random. We don't know the contents of these boxes. We're going to find out right now. Velvet Sky, you are up first. Now, we all know that there may be a Knockouts Championship title belt inside this box. There may be 
a contract. There may be a tarantula. No, I don't want to sign Or, no. Velvet Sky, there may be a notification that you must perform a strip tease in this ring immediately following this presentation. Knowing that, Velvet Sky, are you ready? Velvet Sky, open up your lockbox, please. Open the box. And open contracts. Any opponent, any time, any stipulation. Velvet Sky, congratulations. Tara, this is kind of a bittersweet moment because you have a lot on the line. Obviously, your knockouts championship in one of these boxes. Your prized possession, poison, inside of one of these boxes. However, Tara, there is also the possibility that you would be forced to do something you've never done in your career, something that goes completely against what you stand for as a top world-class female athlete, and that is performing a striptease live tonight in this ring. Knowing what's at stake, Tara, are you ready? I'm ready. Tara, you have box number two. Please put the key in. Let's find out the contents of the lockbox. Poison's coming home. Your tarantula inside. However, unfortunately, Tara, that means you are no longer the knockouts champion. Angelina Love. Daphne, it comes down to the two of you. Live here tonight, one of you will become the new Knockouts champion, and one of you will have to go immediately to the ring and entertain our fans in attendance here tonight. Daphne, are you ready? I'll take that as a yes. Angelina Love, are you ready? I'm ready. Impact Zone, are you ready? Ladies, we are going to open them up at the same time. One of you will be the new champion. One of you will go to the ring immediately. Let's open up the lock boxes in three, two, one. Angelina Love is the new TNA Knockouts Champion of the World. Congratulations. That championship is yours. And Daphne, you must now go down to the ring and perform a striptease here tonight. Daphne, Daphne, no, no, you must do this. You signed the deal, you agreed to this, and I've been informed by TNA management, if this doesn't happen, you will be fired on the spot. Daphne, you must now go to the ring and perform a striptease. Hit the music, maestro! Now, unfortunately, Daphne did not strip. And I say that as wrestling fans. I mean, did you really think that she was going to strip naked? That wasn't happening. I think some people would have liked to have had a little bit more skin than what they got. But that wasn't even the dopiest part of it. You know, Tara got her spider, but she lost the title. <laughs> she got a spider back, but she lost the title. How fucking ridiculous is that? But to me... The dumbest part of this entire thing was Velvet Sky. Now, keep in mind, you know, they're doing a job. It's not like they legitimately, you know, won this or chose that. Velvet Sky is in the middle of a storyline. 
So she wins the open contract. Now you would think, what would she want to do? Fucking go for the knockouts title, right? Think again. Meanwhile, Tara fighting back. What an exchange this is with Angelina Love. Lacey, Lacey darling, I've got to admit, you really turned up the heat tonight in the impact zone. But rule number one of the Beautiful People Club, no beautiful person upstages the other one. So Angelina Love, next week, I'm cashing in my contract, and it's going to be me and you in the middle of that ring in a leather and lace match. You bring your lace, and I'll bring my leather, and I'm going to kick your ass all over that ring, bitch. Wow. Did you hear that? I did. Velvet Sky, Angelina Love next Monday, plus Team 3D versus the band. We'll see you next Monday on Impact. So instead of going for the knockouts title, she wants a leather and lace match. The, the fuck is that? <laughs> All right. 2011, WWE presented WrestleMania 27 from the Georgia Dome. This was the final event promoted under the name World Wrestling Entertainment because you got to remember... At that time, they were doing the press releases on Vince McMahon wanting to, you know, just just have WWE as the letters and then just be an entertainment. It was just a whole bunch of crap at the time. You know? And and remember, the, the controversy we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Drew, Drew Carey and the way TV Guy wrote that up when he was going into the Hall of Fame, that WWE employee, employee wanted the whole article changed because they didn't like that wrestling was in the name. This all ties into that. So anyway, um, another noteworthy moment coming out of WrestleMania 27, Edge defeated Alberto Del Rio to retain the World Heavyweight title. And it turned out this was Edge's final match. He would uh, soon find out that he had spinal stenosis that was really bad, and he was forced to retire. So you want to see Edge's last in-ring match, go check it out, this WrestleMania. Other matches from that night, Cody Rhodes over Rey Mysterio, Big Show, Kane, Kofi Kingston, and Santino Morella defeating the core. Ezekiel Jackson, Heat Slater, Justin Gabriel, and Wade Barrett. Randy Orton over CM Punk. Michael Cole over Jared King Lawler, with Steve Austin as the special guest referee. Undertaker over Triple H in a no-holds-barred match. Uh, John Morrison, Snooky, and Trish Stratus defeating Dolph Ziggler and Leku. Layla and Michelle McCool with Vicky Guerrero in their corner. And the main event, The Miz defeated John Cena to, uh, I believe, retain the WWE Championship. Wasn't he the champion going in? I believe so. Also in 2011, we had Kurt Angle pleading guilty to a reckless driving charge. This was the incident from March 25th, 2011 in North Dakota, where his SUV was found stopped in the median. We talked about that recently. The plea agreement, one year of unsupervised probation, paid about $475 in fines and would undergo a chemical dependency evaluation. Got a 10-day suspended jail sentence as well. And, you know, I've played way back when the audio clips of, you know, what Angle said at the time and everything. And it was it was just sad. You know, thank God, you know, he overcame his demons and he's doing so well these days. It really is cool to see. 
2011 also Ring of Honor airs its final episode of their show on HDNet. In the main event from that show, Davey Richards and the Briscoes defeated Roderick Strong and the Kings of Wrestling. Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli, who are both now in WWE. That same week in 2011, WWE signs Dean Ambrose to a contract. And it was that same week on Monday Night Raw that The Rock and John Cena agreed to have a match at WrestleMania 28. A lot of people think that that is the first time in history that a match was confirmed publicly a year in advance. That same night, Sankata makes his WWE debut. He uh, basically ran in uh, during a match where Sheamus uh, defeated Daniel Bryan to retain the United States Championship. 2012. Scott Steiner leaves TNA. Uh, basically, the contract expired. It really wasn't going to be renewed. And there was a Twitter storm that followed. And I kind of felt bad for Hulk Hogan at the time because Hulk Hogan uh, tried to you know, play nice and try to diffuse the situation a little bit. And it really got out of hand. Um, now, look, I originally was going to read the entire back and forth between Steiner and Hogan and what Steiner said about Bischoff and others, but all of the tweets are still available online. This would lead to the lawsuit between TNA and Scott Steiner, but it was this week in 12 where that all basically started. It, it, it was entertaining, but it was also a mess. And if you just want to go relive it and go check it out, Find it online this week, 2012. Something else happened this week in 2012. You know, a lot of people don't realize how many years the yes chants have already been around. And talk about a difference of a couple of years. Got two audio clips of Daniel Bryan in this episode. Here is the first of the two. Some of you may forget that in 2012, Daniel Bryan and A.J. Lee were a quote-unquote couple on television. Ultimately, Daniel Bryan would have the match against Sheamus at WrestleMania where he would lose in less than less than 30 seconds, maybe even less than 20 seconds, was it 18 seconds it might have been. And the following couple of nights later on SmackDown, Daniel Bryan came out with AJ, and Daniel Bryan had these choice words, not only about AJ, but about the WWE Universe. WrestleMania for Daniel Bryan, and he gets beaten in a record 18 seconds for the World Heavyweight Championship. Poor guy wasn't ready. Come on, Cole. We all knew it was going to sometime all come crashing down. It just happened to be WrestleMania night, 18 seconds. Clearly in low spirits, Daniel Bryan was on the wrong end of a WrestleMania moment this past Sunday. If there was one positive thing about this week, 
is that I finally had a chance to think. Think about how everything was going so right. And then it just all went so wrong. And then it hit me. The moment it all went off the tracks. I mean, the truth is, great wrestler. And you are a great person. And I am not the only one that thinks that. Support me. These people are supporting me. You know what? It's funny because it kind of feels like they're mocking me. If they were supporting me, they wouldn't have chanted yes for The Rock. These people are mocking me. And even if they're not, even if they mean it, all these yes chants from these sheep, that doesn't make it better that you cost me my World Heavyweight Championship. Eighteen seconds, AJ. Eighteen seconds! I defeated two Giants inside of a steel cage at the Royal Rumble. I overcame five superstars in the Elimination Chamber. And in 18 seconds at WrestleMania, it was all flushed down the toilet. Because you just had to have that kiss. You said that kiss was.
was my good luck charm. That was the kiss of death. No, no, you do not get to rewrite this story and make me the bad guy. This is your fault. I had everything going for me. My first ever WrestleMania, and I was walking in as the world heavyweight champion. I've dreamed about that ever since I was a little kid. And you ruined everything. You just had to steal the spotlight. You, your unbelievable selfishness, your clinginess cost me what should have been the greatest night of my life. So I hope, I hope you're happy with yourself because I will never let you ruin my life like that ever again. Wait, Daniel, are you, you're not. Are you, are you? Yes, I am. I have a rematch clause with Sheamus. And when I get that match, I am going to do it the right way. By myself. So go. Go get in your gas-guzzling SUV. Go sit in your parking lot. Go cry over your disgusting cheeseburgers that you love so much. Because I am finally ready to get rid of all of this dead weight. Please, please just go backstage and talk and No, no, I am not talking to you backstage or anywhere. I hope that that kiss at WrestleMania was worth it because that is the last kiss you will ever get from me. We are through. Now get out of my ring. I said get out! Now, we'll get back to Daniel Bryan in a moment because who would have ever thought two years later he would be arguably the most beloved wrestler of this generation? See, do I consider Eddie Guerrero this generation? Um, you know, it's it's like borderline. I, you know, I think in, in the last... 
10 years, 15 years, next to Eddie Guerrero, I think Daniel Bryan is the most beloved. I've said on my show many times that I feel that Daniel Bryan is is today's Eddie Guerrero as far as the amount of love and support that the fans have. You know, not if you actually look closely, not everybody is a tremendous Daniel Bryan fan. Not everybody, is, you know, is into that. And I know for Daniel Bryan fans out there, that's a hard pill to swallow. Not everybody is everybody's favorite. But as human beings, though, they applaud and they are ecstatic that Daniel Bryan was able to, you know, return and do what he loves in the ring. So whether you're a fan of Daniel Bryan's or not, if you are just a human being, you can't help but to be happy for that guy. So we'll get back to Daniel Bryan really doing a 180 in his career towards the WWE Universe in a matter of a two-year span. But first, we got to get to 2013. And in 2013, this was, what, uh, six months after Hurricane Sandy, Superstorm Sandy, Anybody that's followed me personally and uh, and for a long time knows Sandy leveled my parents' home, really did a number to this neighborhood, and there were a lot of charity auctions going on during that time. And WWE, this week in 2013, did a bunch of charity auctions as well. And the reason why I'm bringing this up because of one that I think a lot of people forgot about, I never was able to figure out who won it, what storylines were pitched? We don't even know the closing price. I know the estimated value was $7,500, but Stephanie had put up an auction where, where one winner would be able to pitch a WWE storyline to Stephanie McMahon directly. And there was no guarantee that the storyline would be used. There was no compensation to the winner. So you could have the greatest fucking storyline imaginable, and WWE could have netted millions off of it. You were getting nothing. You basically got the opportunity to tell the Stephanie McMahon's face, hey, stop pushing Roman Reigns or blah, 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 blah. Somebody actually paid over seven grand for that. Hey, it went to charity. God bless, you know, WWE and other organizations who helped out for so many victims of Sandy. But I figured I'd share that little charity auction I think a lot of people may not have been aware of. Also in 2013, WWE signs Becky Lynch to a developmental deal. 2013 as well, we had WrestleMania 29. Greatness versus redemption. The Shield over Big Show, Randy Orton, and Sheamus. Team Hell No, which was Daniel Bryan and Kane over Big E and Dolph Ziggler. Fandango over Chris Jericho. Memorable match was that Fandango's debut, and we were all shocked that he defeated Jericho. Alberto Del Rio over Jack Swagger. Undertaker over CM Punk. Triple H with Shawn Michaels defeating Brock Lesnar in a no-holds-barred match. Uh, had Triple H lost, he would have been forced to retire. A stipulation I think a lot of people forgot about. And in the main event, John Cena over The Rock for the WWE Championship. Now, the night after Raw, two moments I'm going to share with everyone audio clips. First off, let's get into Jack Swagger versus Alberto Del Rio. I just finished reading WrestleMania 29's results. Del Rio defeated Swagger at Mania. Well, they had a rematch on Monday Night Raw, and this happened. And again, back to the Patriot lock at Del Rio. They saw him on the app. Del Rio is just... uh, this is torturous just to watch. Oh, man. Wow. 
trying to fight out of this. You got to give Del Rio credit that he has in a... Bring it, Del Rio! Hey, what a great counter. What a great counter. Crossover breaker by Del Rio. Can he get it completely locked in here? <laughs> trying to try to break the grip anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Swagger is trying to pull it down. He's got it. He's got it. Swagger trying to break, trying to try to somehow pull himself to the rope to cross over. And Swagger taps out. Center. Everyone on their 
champion. He is gutsy. He did it again. He got him. He put another rabbit out there. Ziggler's going to tap. Ziggler's going to tap. Unbelievable. Ziggler's going to tap. No, he doesn't have his, he doesn't have that arm. The back leg. The back leg. Ziggler with the back leg. Jarrell had him. Jarrell had him. But what a great counter by Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler measuring Dolph Ziggler got that night was really, really cool. If you have not seen that segment in a long time, go watch it again, especially if you're a Dolph Ziggler fan. It was really cool to see that kind of reaction. Of course, the suspense and the excitement of cashing in a briefcase, it's elevated a little bit more, but I really, really enjoyed the crowd reaction. Not only did they want Ziggler to come out and uh, win in that match, but after he did get the victory, the crowd went bonkers. Speaking of bonkers, something else happened that night on Monday Night Raw. A match went down between Randy Orton and Sheamus. Hey, anybody that's followed my Don Tony and Kevin Castro and Brexit with Blasi for years knows that that match, if I had a, a dollar for every time they fucking wrestled on TV, I'd probably be able to buy a used car. It might be exaggerating a little bit, but how many of us... I mean, I remember playing fucking that song from Groundhog Day. It was just unbelievable. Do a history search of how many televised matches that Randy Orton and Sheamus have had. It's it's laughable. It's humorous. So the night after WrestleMania, which sometimes is bizarro land or the crowd is just really, really into it, you know, things happen. And I will warn everybody right now that I edited the match down quite a bit to focus on how the crowd reacted to this match. But I promise you all, you will enjoy this immensely. If you forgot about it, this is how the crowd felt about Sheamus versus Randy Orton on Monday Night Raw in 2013. Michael, you talk about these guys starting off as sportsmen. 
I don't think it's going to end up that way. These things usually break down. These guys both want the big show. These both guys, guys are hot-tempered, massive egos. Well, you're right about that. And you know what that means? Absolutely anything can happen in this match. <laughs> I love it. Just waiting for it to break down. Sixteen thousand plus of it so vocal all night long. You're vocal, but I have no idea what you're saying. Right now. You? <laughs> These fans are awesome. Here's Seamus cover. Flay gonna kick out. Horton's the one who, you know, really stuck his neck out in support of the Big Show being part of this team heading into WrestleMania. Horton believed in Big Show, and Big Show ended up turning his back on him. Horton felt like he had to eat crow there. Oh. Seamus felt like he had to eat the fifth of the Big Shows, and he didn't trust the Big Show from the get-go. Yeah, Seamus very wary of teaming with the Big Show at WrestleMania. I'm going to say it again, though, John. He didn't knock his partners out. Yeah. They weren't his partners. The match was over. The partnership had dissolved. So did you and Ron used to beat each other up when your matches were over and then go back and have another match again? Only over bartenders. <laughs> friends it's a big difference I'm near fall on Seamus it's all niceties you wait till one boot hits another guy in the head hard and next thing you know all hail's gonna break loose you know JB I'm telling you look the three of us sort of remind me of Seamus and Orton and Big Show I mean you got Cole who's out for himself <laughs> we both don't trust and we both want to fight him Still upset over WrestleMania two years ago, aren't you? Here we go. Look at Randy Orton. Got a smile on his face now and a grimace. Damn it. Look Michael at Seamus. Like the 270-pounder. We have a huge, I mean, a big-time European crowd. I mean, so many fans from oh, all over Europe, in, in the city, in the area for WrestleMania. Look out. An international crowd. Yeah, over, uh, over 50 countries were represented at WrestleMania this year. It's funny, uh, you're hearing a lot of chants tonight that you normally hear when we're over in London, and that's where we're going to be in a couple of weeks for Monday Night Raw. Soccer chants, of course, or football, as they call it over there. And we'll be compares over there, as they call it. Once again, more presenters. You, you two are definitely compares. <laughs> hey, don't compare me to him. Seamus seemed content here to try to wear Randy Orton down. Reverse chin lock. You know, JBO, this thing hadn't gotten down dirty like you predicted yet. Uh oh, you're right so far, King. You're right so far. Look at me with a quizzical look on your face, Cole. I can't tell what they're chanting either. I, what, I don't think I don't think it's WWE versus even needs anybody in the ring right now. They're, they're having a great time. They have been roaring all night. All I, I know love it. Ow, 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 ow. What hey, a great hey. atmosphere. Look, oh. you're, you're standing on my ankle there, fella. All I know, this is one of the coolest nights in WWE history. It's always like this on uh, the night after WrestleMania. Well, it's hitting for you. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Here's Sheamus into the cover, putting a leg and a kick out, and two. This place is insane. They're not insane. They're brilliant. These folks are brilliant. Chanting their own names soon. Yeah, I love them. Now listen. Now they're chanting for Lava. They'll never chant 
was beautiful. They're chanting my name. They've oh, gone nuts. We got to take a break on that. How crazy is AJ? See if we can restore some order. Whoa, watch out. Oh, right back to the midsection. Randy Orton to Sheamus. Let's show you what happened before the commercial break. Yeah, look at this. What? Sheamus get caught in midair. Oh, vicious dropkick. The predator, the apex predator, Randy Orton. Two former partners. And this is really broken down as both these men want to have an opportunity to take on the big show. Cover. Hooks the leg. Orton stays alive. Look at this. I don't know if you can see our crowd now, but they've resorted to a wave. <laughs> what about that, JBL? <laughs> I wish Michael would drown him. Sheamus's face. We are in an alternative universe. Sheamus cannot believe what's and going I'm on not, here I either. Love every bit the of it. night after WrestleMania, it's always this way. These are great we? fans have been on a fire all night. This are, is awesome. Are we in Canada? I don't know. <laughs> uh oh, Sheamus! Now he's fired up. Well, that wave will get anybody fired up. Randy, Randy, <laughs> Randy could RKO 16,000 of the WWE Universe forward yeah. guy. Oh, and they still have fun. I don't think they know. Randy is not the most mentally stable person in the world. Now he hears voices, remember? Yes, he does. And when he does, bad things happen. But if you build a sports entertainer from scratch, it would look like Randy Orton. Watch out. They put a scratch on Sheamus. Oh, Randy Orton. Here's oh, Here comes the Giant. They wanted to fight him. Here he comes. The world's largest athlete. Come get you some show. In the foulest of moods. Wouldn't you be all these guys making noise about him, wanting to fight him? Big Show said it's about oh, him no, now. Look out. And Show oh. driven face first on the post by the Giant. Hey, you want to fight him? There he is. Well, he took a little bit of the fight out of Sheamus with a quickness. Line up, bunch up, boys. That's a Giant. He's in a bad mood. Yeah. Big Show making his presence known in a very inopportune time. Sheamus and Randy Orton are going to be lining up to fight this big man after this. I now bring to you 2014, and we have four audio clips to share because four very important things happened this week in 2014. First, we get to WrestleMania 30. It took place at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana, and obviously the, there were two huge moments coming out of this night. As I said earlier, what a difference two years makes in the career of Daniel Bryan. We have been following it in chronological order in previous episodes of This Week in Wrestling History. Obviously, Daniel Bryan was the focal point 
for this event because of the yes movement, because there was no way that in you could have ever thought that Daniel Bryan would not only be in the position he was in at this time, but how beloved he ended up being. The pay-per-view opened up with him defeating Triple H in a match to determine uh, who would fight later on for the heavyweight title. The Shield over Kane and the New Age Outlaws. Cesaro won the first ever Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. John Cena defeated Bray Wyatt. AJ Lee retained the Divas Championship in the Vicky Guerrero Invitational Match. The participants, Oksana, Alicia Fox, Brie Bella, Cameron, Emma, Eva Marie, Layla, Naomi, Natty, Nikki Bella, Rosa Mendes, Summer Rae, and Tamina Snuka. Daniel Bryan wins the World Heavyweight Championship, defeating Batista and Randy Orton. Fucking really, really emotional match. For fans, for Daniel Bryan, it was great. And is there a match that I'm forgetting? I think I'm forgetting one. Oh, yeah, this happened. A stunned silence has come over this crowd here in New Orleans. And finally, Undertaker somewhat back to his feet. Barely having to be held up by the ropes right now. Oh, Undertaker, desperate counter. Boot right to the face. Undertaker is spent. Yeah, but he's got one last gasp. Perhaps he does. Undertaker, he's going to go up high. Oh, does he have it in him? Undertaker looking for old school. And Brock Lesnar with Undertaker up top. Brock Lesnar pulled The Undertaker down off the ropes and then F5 him down to the mat. Everybody has said it. Undertaker's willing to go further than anybody else. That's the reason that WrestleMania streak is the greatest streak in all of sports. This is your destiny. This is your destiny. This is what you work for. This is what you train for. This is yours. 21 and 1, and you are the one! You're gonna let him deprive you of this? He's taking this away from you! You're Brock Lesnar! You're a conqueror! The pep talk from Paul Heyman. It is a struggle, guys, for Undertaker just to get to his feet. He spent most of this match on the mat. No. A few signs here and there, but look at this. Look at this face of the Undertaker. No. Oh, look at Undertaker! Brock Lesnar! Are you kidding me? Last ride! But Undertaker can't capitalize! He can't. Unless there's out. Phenom's got to try to take advantage right here, right now. His moment.
he going to do? What is Undertaker going to do? Wait for Lesnar to make it back to his feet. Brock Lesnar back to his feet. Undertaker stalking Lesnar. What does he? What can he do? What does he have the strength Ooh. left to do? Undertaker with Brock Lesnar up high. Perhaps looking for the tombstone pile driver. Does he have the strength left? Yes! Tombstone pile driver. The cover on Lesnar. Lesnar kicked out at two. My God. These guys have hit each other with everything they have. Two F5s. Undertaker kicked out both times. Tombstone pile driver. Brock Lesnar kicks out. Oh. Undertaker. Two incredible athletes fighting for their place in history. Undertaker signals it's over. Maybe he's not human. Again. Oh. All right, Brock Lesnar countered. Brock Lesnar countered. Lesnar countered. He's got Undertaker up in his shoulders again. And again. Going for a triple. A third and five by the Undertaker. Brock Lesnar into the cover. Hugs the leg. The streak. Undertaker loses to Brock Lesnar, who is now at that time 21 and 1. Now, before we get back to Daniel Bryan, I just want to mention uh, this week, also in 2014, Ezekiel Jackson announced on his Instagram that his contract in WWE was expired and would not be renewed. He went on his Instagram at that time and showed a lot of uh, class 
thank WWE, thank the fans. And, you know, unfortunately, we really haven't heard much of Ezekiel Jackson since. Now, as I said, there were four audio clips to share with everyone for 2014. First off, let's talk about Daniel Bryan. The next night on Raw was really, really nice, emotional. It was really cool. Daniel Bryan made an awesome speech, which would ultimately be interrupted by, you know, Triple H, and it would set up some activity in the ring later on in the night. But I wanted to share with everyone who I know would like to hear it again just a couple of highlights of Daniel Bryan the following night on Raw basically showing love to the WWE Universe. What a difference two years makes. Get used to that face, JBL. That's the new face of the WWE. Lord help us. Looks like a hair explosion. WrestleMania 30, and it seems like everybody here and everybody watching that the entire WWE Universe was united with one word, and that word was yes. in my life. Guys, 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 guys. 
I'm, I might deserve it a little bit, but I think you guys deserve it. There you go. Because when I started yesing, it wasn't, it wasn't just a word, and it's not just a, a hand gesture, it's not a movement, it's not about positive thinking, it's not about any of that. It's about the power that each and every one of us have to make change, and because of you guys, because of your power, last night, I went into WrestleMania 30, I beat the authority, and right now I stand here as the new Still got three clips to share with everyone for 2014. First, we have Bad News Barrett defeating Rey Mysterio. And as of now, that was Rey Mysterio's last singles match in the WWE. I know he appeared in the Royal Rumble recently, but as of now, he has not had a regular match since then. Someone who made their Raw debut also that week was Rusev. He was in the 2014 Royal Rumble, but this week was his official debut on Monday Night Raw. He defeated Zack Ryder. Rob Van Dam made his return to WWE, made a surprise return. He defeated um, Damian Sandow that night. And we had three other clips. One ended up being really, really depressing, obviously. But first, let's share two more uh, lighter ones. First off, Cesaro made this announcement. I'll take it from here, Cesaro. Let's let a real American talk here. You know, just a few moments, I'm going to turn the mic back over to you, Cesaro, and you're going to tell everybody what kind of a guy you really are. But I'll tell you what kind of guy he is. He is a guy, and let's do a little bit of history here. Eight or nine, ten months ago, I brought you into the fold. Even though you're not from here, I brought you into the fold as a real American. And not only did I make you a real American, I made you a Zeb Coulter guy. And you want to hear some more things? Well, um, I'm, I'm sorry, Seb. I'm not that guy. I'm not a Zeb Coulter guy. What? I'm a Paul Heyman guy. Are you kidding me? Huh? Is that what you're... 
as a shock to you, Grandpa, but this seems to be the week of shocking moments for Paul Heyman guys. So, my first order of business on behalf of my new client is to instruct Mr. Layfield and these two other clowns that they call announcers in exactly how I would like them to discuss the future of the King of Swing, Cesaro. So as you real Americans would say, pardon moi. Right. We then had AJ Lee come out talking about her victory from the Vicky Guerrero Invitational the night before at WrestleMania. And she was challenged by someone making her Raw debut. 295. For 295 days, I have been your Divas champion. The longest reigning Divas champion of all time. And a couple months ago, I stood at the top of that stage and I tore all the Divas a much-deserved new one. But I gave them a chance. I gave them 294 days to prove me wrong. And they couldn't. And last night, they proved that I am the hero of this story. Last night at WrestleMania, it was AJ Lee versus the world. But it's always been that way. The odds were 13 to one and I overcame those odds, just like I've been overcoming the odds my entire life. I have gone from being a poor girl in New Jersey to being the best diva in the world. Of your divas division I am the divas division this has been some night because folks there is a, another star from NXT she's from Norwich England she's the current NXT women's champion and her name is Paige and she's here on Raw doesn't look too happy to see Paige. I'm happy to see Paige. Certainly different. What the hell are you doing here? I just came to do what no one else would. 
And that's to congratulate you, AJ. You did great last night. Well, thank you. And you know what? I think every single diva should be lining up and congratulating me and thanking for everything I've done for them. But as much as I appreciate it, I don't need your congratulations. So why don't you go running back to NXT because the champion does not like being interrupted. Um, I'm sorry, I just wanted to say congratulations, AJ. Well, aren't you the sweetest little crumpet? But you know what? While you're here in my ring and you're all fancy and dressed, why don't I do to you what I did to every single diva last night? Why don't I beat you? I, I'm not, I'm not ready to, no, I'm not. No, you're not, you're not, okay, yeah. I, I, I think you are. Oh my oh, gosh. Man. Wow. Are you ready now? Hey, they have no respect for anybody. Uh, are you ready now, Paige? Well, ready or not, I think we need to have a match right now, and for special WrestleMania treats, I will put my title on the line. What? So let's get a referee out here right now. Well, Paige isn't ready, I mean. No, AJ Lee is way. so full of herself. She knows that Paige is not... Ready or not, this is my house. I'll tell you when you're ready. We have a title match? That's what AJ Lee wants. Well, I mean, this is a great opportunity for Paige, but... I mean, all she did was come out here to congratulate. And, and even Paige admits she's not ready for this. She's been training. She's doing very well, but... Well, the WWE fans want this match, obviously, but this is also... Look at AJ Lee now attacking Paige. And you're right, King. Absolutely no respect for anybody. Paige just came out here to congratulate her. Paige came from a wrestling family in England, but she, she wasn't ready for a match tonight. AJ Lee, I mean, she thinks she owns uh, the Diva locker room. She's well, doing this, she's she doing does. this to prove a point. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, 295 days, that pretty much means she owns the Divas division. Nobody's been able to beat her. Last night, 13 other Divas tried. AJ Lee does the unthinkable again. AJ win last night. A submission maneuver. Look at Paige trying to fight out of this. AJ can't quite lock it in. That's how AJ has won most of her matches. Trying to fight out, trying to fight out here. And, uh, screaming, tap out, tap if she, out. If she gets it, she's good.
Bucks here tonight to congratulate AJ and AJ Lee is right for Meta Lady. She can't believe it, neither can Paige. Paige is going to leave here tonight, the new Divas Champion. Okay, I don't think it's sunk into Paige yet, what just happened. I know it hadn't sunk into AJ. And AJ can't believe it, Paige can't believe it, I can't believe it. Well, watch this, this is unbelievable, guys. you got to watch what happens here at the end of this thing. Oh, I thought AJ was going to get Paige to tap out to the Black Widow. And watch Paige with a Paige turn. And now Paige quickly into the cover. And she's right here, right here. She wins the Divas Championship. AJ Lee landed dumped unceremoniously and landed right on the back of her head. And sadly, we had a moment that I know you listen to the audio and it's sad. It really is. I, being a huge fan of the Ultimate Warrior throughout my entire you know, childhood and adulthood as far as wrestling career goes, I know there's been ups and downs with him professionally and personally, but I always remained a fan of Ultimate Warrior. And I invite anyone out there to, you hear the words, but please re-watch Warrior's speech from Monday Night Raw this week in 2014. When you realize that the man was going to be deceased less than 48 hours later. It's so freaking sad to to see that. But if you really pay close attention to Warrior, you know, walking down the ring, in the ring, you know, he looked like he was not well. You know, you could, I'm not talking about perspiration or this is that or him not looking like the Ultimate Warrior anymore. He just looked off. And I know we're playing Monday morning quarterback here because he was deceased. But if you look at him and realize in the back of your mind as you're watching him that we were going to lose him, you know, a day later, it's really, really, really hard to um, to see. But uh, let's share with everyone clips of Warrior's infamous speech on Monday Night Raw, uh, literally the day before he passed away. WWE Championship at the same time. 
is going to be great. warrior 2015 we had a retirement aj lee and we talked about her having her last match on last week's episode while it was less than a week later wwe announced on their website that aj lee had retired from in-ring competition with wwe 
And she basically wrote the following on Twitter about her retirement, quote, break the rules, be a fighter. Any dream is possible if you're brave enough to do it your way. Thank you all. 2015 also in Japan, you had AJ Styles defeating Kota Ibushi to retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And you had Matt Tavin and Mike Bennett over Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows to win the IWGP Tag Team Championships. 2016, WrestleMania 32. And, you know, you look around for awards from that year. This was not looked on uh, all that well. I mean, it got a lot of criticism. I mean, it not only was the event way, way, way too long, four hours and 53 minutes, but a lot of fans just thought it was terrible. I don't recall a lot of details in the WrestleMania recap that Soup and, you know, myself and Kev did from 2016, but I do remember that we had some issues with it as well. But anyway, here is the card for those that may have forgotten some of the matches. Zack Ryder winning the IC Championship in a ladder match, defeating Dolph Ziggler, Kevin Owens, The Miz, Sami Zayn, and Sinkata, along with Stardust. Chris Jericho over AJ Styles. The League of Nations, Alberto Del Rio, Rusev, and Sheamus with King Barrett in their corner, defeated the New Day. Brock Lesnar over Dean Ambrose in a no-holds-barred street fight. Charlotte defeated Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks for the inaugural Women's Championship. Remember, they were retiring the Tevis title. Undertaker defeated Shane McMahon in the Hell in a Cell match. Had Shane won, he would have gained control of Raw, and Undertaker would no longer be able to compete at WrestleMania. Uh, that second part of the stipulation I think a lot of people forgot about. Baron Corbin won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. The Rock defeated Eric Rowan in, what, six seconds to, I guess, break the record. That's the shortest match in WrestleMania history, I believe. And Roman Reigns defeating Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship. That following night, on Monday Night Raw, we had The Miz defeating Zack Ryder. And the reason why I mentioned this match, it sparked the return of Maris. We hadn't seen her for a couple of years. She made a return. Wasn't she in the crowd? And, um, you know, we, you know, people like, what is she, what is she doing? And then we realized it was Maris. It was pretty cool. That night on Raw, 24 hours after WrestleMania, Bad News Barrett was kicked out of the League of Nations. And this turned out to be his final appearance. He would ask for his release, and he was granted his release about a month later. And finally, for 2017, Monday Night Raw. Remember, we covered WrestleMania last week. The night after, Monday Night Raw, Vince McMahon revealed that Kurt Angle was the new GM. Finn Balor, who was not part of WrestleMania, made his return to WWE television after suffering the shoulder injury at SummerSlam the following year. Drew McIntyre that weekend made his return to WWE and uh, wrestled for NXT. And finally, Roman Reigns, on the heels of defeating The Undertaker at WrestleMania, came out to cut a promo, basically only said one sentence. But the crowd basically voiced how they felt about Roman Reigns. And you realize in today's day, you know, nothing really has changed all that much from this night in 2017. <laughs>
This is my yard now. Notable birthdays this week. Those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. John Tolos, Hurricane Ramirez, Peter Maivia, Frank Marconi, Ron Starr, Matanoy, and Key Rosie. And uh, all of them, God rest your souls. Happy birthday. Terry Garvin turned 81. Sika turned 70. Diamond Dallas Page turned 62. Jeannie Clark, 59. Lord Humongous turned 57. John Zandig turned 54. Volano number four turned 53. Flash Flanagan and Ulf Herman turned 52. Landstorm and Draws celebrating birthday 49. Kingdom James, I met him in XPW. Really, really cool dude. I have to include him on this list. He turns 47. Happy birthday. David Otunga turns 39. Tigre Uno, 37. Sunjay Dutt, 36. Steve Madison, 35. Tozawa, 33. Charlotte Flair and Mini Electroshock turn 32. TJ Marconi turns 30. And Laurel Van Ness turns 27. Notable deaths this week in history and two are very recent. Steve Rickard passed away at age 85. We lost Chief J. Strongbow at age 83. Sarah Lee, 76. Blackjack Mulligan, 73. Luscious Johnny Valiant, God rest your soul, 71. Fishman, 66. Terry Garvin Sims passed away at 55. And as we said earlier, the ultimate warrior died this week in history at age 54. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Week in Wrestling History. Please tell me what you think about it. Follow me on Twitter, at DonTonyD. The website, DonTony.com. If you want to email me, it is DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. If you want to check out the archives of everything that we do, www.dontonykevincastle.com. And if you like what we do and you want to support the shows, help keep the bills paid, keep us in business. And in return, you could join a very tight knit family, get patron exclusive podcasts, contests, giveaways, a lot of really, really cool shit. Just check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Don Tony. I really think if you sign up over there, you will absolutely love it. As little as five bucks and you will get hundreds of hours of exclusive podcasts that we have there featuring yours truly, Kevin Castle, Mish. It's a lot of fun. So with that said, I am out of here. I will be back one week from today with your next edition of This Week in Wrestling History. Everyone be well. Again, I hope you enjoyed it and I'll catch you all soon. Ciao. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I could learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, myhealthpolicy.com. New to Medicare? 
Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. 